Blog Talk Radio. Internet Live is brought to you by the Spire Institute. Integrating sports and education, training and learning, performance and competition like no place on earth. SpireInstitute.org. Now, on with the show. The people. This is Eric Tonoana. This is Priscilla Lima. This is Casey Patterson. The story in real time. We're a much better team now than we were then. I'm not looking at just this year, I'm looking at the next four years. You're listening to The Net Line with Barney. You didn't win, so you must not have done a good job. And DJ Ruche. I have great thighs. It's The Net Live right now. <laughs> Welcome to the Net Live, boy. Sixth of May, and I'm so glad Casey Patterson just laid the boom because he just laid the boom on the world. Yeah, thanks, China. Gibbon Patterson, gold in the FIVB, love it. I think I called that last week, Kevin. I think you did. We'll give Jeremy Rochet full credit on that one. Well, that and much more news upcoming today here on the Net Live. Kevin Barnett sitting in a a full studio we have four headsets they're all occupied myself dj ruche as you've already heard the depressed dustin aval <laughs> but he's with us and then the very euphoric although should have been depressed i guess off of, coming off a of loss jay hasek in studio i have brought the sad weather with me because <laughs> it is no longer men's volleyball season so welcome dustin is it the weather is it the, the rain? weather's not great it's cozy in here it's lovely and glad that uh you're making me so happy here today, Kevin. <laughs> Thanks for talking me up. Way to coach me up here, and let's do this. Come on. You've got to put some Red Bull in that, uh, that monster milk you drink. Yeah. Dustin Aval, uh still looking for employment. That's the, the source of his frustration. He finds himself still at the show, which is a small source of inspiration. That's true. Are you looking but. for a coaching gig? I'm not uh, explicitly, unless it's an I'm awesome looking for gig. any gig. A right broadcasting now. gig, perhaps. Uh, I'm I looking think, for any gig. Hey, Walmart, uh, they just opened out yeah? there. On, I could be a greeter. Uh, yeah. Nice, dude. Be a greeter? Be greeting dude, at if you're a greeter at Walmart, I will be there. <laughs> <laughs> I will then shop busiest, there. Busiest opening. <laughs> you will wear, on a 90-degree day, you will wear Daisy Dukes, Ugg boots, and a headband. And you better greet me correctly when I walk <laughs> through that door. Oh, Hi, welcome no to question. Walmart. No Correct. question. I, I, I dominate. It would be the biggest opening in Walmart history. They'd be <laughs> like, why is this store way off the charts? The greeter. You greeter, would be, bro. You would be handing out Dustin Aval, uh, greeter of awesomeness. Yeah, I would. Because that, that's what I would be. All right. We, we have a lot of topics to talk about today in the volleyball world besides the usual baloney that we'll go over. National championships happened this weekend for the men's indoor game and for the women's sand game. Ooh. Second year in a row that that event has Beach. been held in Gulf Shores, Alabama. Yeah, we're gonna, it beach, says sand beach, volleyball here beach. on my sheet, but beach. I think we're just going to start calling it beach. I will write Thank beach you. right next to it here. Feel beach much better. Volleyball games, Collegiate. Games and sets. Yeah. Collegiate Beach National Championships for women happened down there in Gulf Shores. We'll talk about that. We I should gonna, add that, by the way, to the drinking game, the NetLab drinking game. Every time somebody calls it sand, you got to drink. Yeah. I think so. You might actually have to pound one. Yeah. <laughs> All the way. It's like when you when you put it in the cup in beer pong. You have to drink the whole thing. You're welcome, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> we have Dave Niffin, National Championship Head Coach. Dave Sweet. Niffin coming on the show here. He'll be on uh, 1030. We talked to him briefly last week in his preparation for the National Championship, and now we will talk to Dave Niffin as National Championship. 
do we have another coach that's ever won a national championship in his first season in the men's game? Yes. Who? Uh, I like the emphatic yes. Yeah, that was quick. I'm thinking myself. Um, Didn't Rod Wild win it in 86 for Pepperdine when Marv left and went to the uh, national team? Man, that is. Listen to that. Suck it, world. I'm out. Now, wait a minute. Now, wait a minute here. (laughs) Stanza, leave on top. Walk off. Barney, I'm a little disappointed. (laughs) That's a pep reference, and you didn't know it. You lose your scholarship now. That's part of the I, scholarship. Dude. I have a Pepperdine problem. <laughs> Dustin, slam your headset and walk off. It's a, nice, it's a nice headset. I would do it at the old one. Upside yeah. down, though. Yeah. Yeah. My name is Kevin Barnett, and I have a Pepperdine problem. I have a Hi, Pepperdine problem. Hi, Kevin. <laughs> but here's the only reason. Here's where the, the inspiration behind that fact came from, is because I was wondering if anybody else had gone back-to-back besides UCLA. Uh, that was earlier. Yeah, that, he was, this is the Pep first 85, 86. Yeah. yeah. But that's what I mean. See you there. Pep going back-to-back was, I think, I can't think of another men's team that went back-to-back besides UCLA at all, period, except for that team. And the reason that that stuck out was because Rod took over as head coach in his first first year for Marv. Rod Wild, Pepperdine superstar. That guy goes back all the time. Does he have, like, 14 different stints at Pepperdine? <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> including, including playing, yeah. <laughs> Here's I have a Pepperdine problem because I I emceed the Hi, banquet. Kevin. By yeah, the way, Thursday. I would love to emcee the USC banquet. Just put it out there. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> I don't think they had a banquet this year. Maybe no, they, they should. Not. They, they should not have had a banquet based on that season. Come on. No banquet. A little bit of a rush. Sorry, here. Fergie. Tough one. Just forget about it. Move on. Next year will be better. I like where you're going, this old Barney. Bring it on. National championship banquet. Great time to down and kind of be in touch with everybody who is there because I am frequently out of town and unable to attend said events. And the All-Americans, first and second team, all there. Every athlete was there, first and second team, except the two PEP athletes, Maurice Torres and Matt West, neither of whom were present. Torres, second team, and West, first team, and neither one were there. PEP guys. Why? Show up. Yeah, why is that? Is there a reason? I don't know. I know Mo is a local guy. Yeah. Went to... They're still in school, are they not? No, Pep's done, I think. That's the problem. Were they done in, like, February or something? What's, uh... They're done, like, mid-April. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here's my question. is It doesn't matter if you're local or not. The NCAA pays for that. Or ABCA you pays should, for it. If you're first team, they do. If you're first... I don't know. The... If they're second team, do they do... They didn't used to pay second team when I was... There. Here's a question. What about the women's? I'm do sure. they pay for all three teams to come? I'm out? sure they do. Because that that one is ginormous. There are and they're all there. Of people there. And they're, they're all there. They're all there. So yeah. I've got to imagine that they've got that thing paid for. They pay for at least the second team on that. There's no doubt they right. pay for the second team right. on that. I don't know in my time. I can't speak to this time, but they did not pay for second teamers. They would they would have you at the banquet and you were invited, but you were not comped. Did you go when you were there? I went one year because I got second team both year. Okay, both years. Um, Gabby Amar, no way. Anyways, I'm not bitter. <laughs> the Praying Mantis was first team. That's not right. Any, anyhow, uh, the I'm first not. year I went. All I heard was Praying Mantis. And I literally, I, I, yeah. said this, I said this at the, the banquet. When I went, it was in the patio of like one of the coastal restaurants here. That was no wider than, than the loft here, the home court. And that was it. They had a little dinner and stuff, but it, everybody just sort of stood up like in the patio and they had a bunch of people right across from that were no more than 10 feet away, and you were, like, up against the glass. And that, that was the whole thing. Well, here's the beauty. is there When you, no when you made that comment, I sat there and I thought, 
All right, he's exaggerating a little bit because he wants to make a point. Pav looks at me at that very moment. He goes, I remember that. I absolutely remember that time. And I asked him, I go, is that true? And he goes, it was the smallest location. You, you, you felt like you were all just kind of hanging out, drinking around a table. You were at your uncle's birthday. <laughs> That's what you were at. <laughs> was it your drunk uncle? Was it at least fun? Yeah. Uh, I don't remember. Were there, was there booze being uh, passed around at that time? I don't think so. I don't remember, honestly. Mm. That would be a much better event if there was some alcohol being served, I'm thinking. Wow. You, know, you have a couple of cocktails. You relax a little bit. I would have had more fun if I was friendlier, but I was a little crazy, so oh, nobody wanted to get near me. A little that Midwestern, huh? Yeah, a little bitter, bitter about Barney. I, I will, I will be seeing Matt West this summer. I'm coaching him. All right, at least you the find out I'm why Matt find West why. didn't show up, and then I will report back to you and figure. I out think why. Mo Jay Torres is, on is the a case. bigger question. I know Jay is, or uh, Mo is a local guy. Yes, and he great kid. By the way. Yeah, I, I want to see him. Yeah, I want him to talk to him. So I missed out talking to those guys, but I did enjoy being there. An opportunity to talk to a coaches and folks in the volleyball world. Got an opportunity to talk to Player of the Year. Yeah. Taylor Crab, huge. Really confused Taylor Crab and Sander. How many besides Taylor be up there? Well, there's about five or eight, five to eight Taylor across the country that are on different teams. So yeah, there's two that are really good. If you had a, there's a, a volley talk going on a while back called the Team Taylor, all Team Taylor, all Team Taylor. <laughs> they cover just about every position. It's a good topic. Yeah. I like that. So yeah, uh, it was fun to, to have an opportunity to do that. Taylor Crab takes home Player of the Year honors. I think deservedly so. Yep. Uh, from what I saw stat-wise and when I got an opportunity to see him, here's a guy doing doing a lot with very little. He's six feet tall, legitimately six feet tall. Weighed about a buck twenty. And Cortez, like, dwarfed him. Yeah. And he's he's killing the ball at an incredible rate, not only in in system but also high balls. Really really cool player. Let's look at let's look at the three top candidates. I believe it was Kevin Tilly from UC Irvine. It was Taylor Crab from Long Beach State, and it was Taylor Sander from BYU. Those right. were the three that I think everybody thought were the top three. If you were to take Taylor Sander out of the mix, maybe BYU makes it to the Final Four. Maybe maybe they don't. But you've arguably got a really good opposite in Ben Patch. You got a good metal in, uh, middle in Russ Levaya. You've got decent center, decent libero. You pro- and Josue Rivera is not a bad outside hitter. So you probably do pretty well still. You take um, uh, Kevin Tilly out of uh, UC Irvine's offense. This is the only team that when you pull your top two outsides out, your next two outsides are starting outsides for anybody else. You got Jeremy Dano and you got Connor Hughes. Now that's not a bad way to go if you got two outsides. So maybe. They're probably going to be about the same. You pull out Taylor Crab, that team is going nowhere. Yeah, that's my call. And and I like Long Beach State. They're a nice team. They got some good players, some good role players. Connor Albright on the All American team, good setter. Uh, you got a leading candidate in blocking in the NPSF and Taylor Gregory, who was a freshman. That's not a bad way. Another to member go. of the Taylor. Exactly, team. exactly. <laughs> and but you go, you take out Taylor Crab, and like you said, six foot. And the kid's doing – he had over 300 for his career so far? Roster had a six that. foot. He might be 5'9". I don't know. Yeah, you said legit six foot. I don't know if he's a legit six foot. <laughs> I, well, I'm eating on the small side. Of I know, that. yeah. <laughs> like, but he uh, he actually got the benefit of being the youngest kid from all the Hawaiian crew, the outrigger crew. Like I was talking to Tri Bourne about it. And they used to just, Micah Christensen. They used to just beat up on him for yeah. years and years and years. And now he's just – he can take it, you know, and now he, he's proving it at a, at a really high level. You he, go to the, he has a beach future. He'd like to have an indoor future. He definitely has a beach future. But uh, his indoor future, 
I can't. I cannot see a six footer playing the international game I, for I any see reason. A six footer going down. Who are we talking about? Rico. Which one? I was was paying attention. He'd be great, in Puerto Rico. He's gonna uh, love it down in Puerto Rico. No. Here's the reason why. Puerto Rico Puerto- in winter and <laughs> beach in summer. Absolutely. There's his career right there, Taylor. If you want any information on that, give me a call. That kid in Puerto Rico, yeah. they are going to That's love a great him. Great point. And you put him with a Casey Patterson, or you know maybe a, I don't know somebody else is tall in the beach game. He could be the backup kid. He'd be another. Uh, another Todd Rogers type player. He's this, awesome. this is a kid who'd be who'd be good in Puerto Rico. He'd be good in France. He'd be good in Spain. He'd be good in Belgium. He'd be good in Holland. He'd be good in Vienna and Austria. Some of those places. Can you put you him backpacking in backpacking through Europe? This sounds <laughs> like an amazing trip. <laughs> <laughs> Take maybe me on, Taylor. I'm in. Maybe go to Indo. Yeah. Do a little surfing while Why you're not? in between playing right. stints. Uh, but thinking about trying to put him in Italy in A1, or put him in yeah. Russia, or put him in today's Turkey. Or on the national team, I I can't do it. I, I look at Poppy, Samuel Poppy, six foot three. Hi Poppy, I did not know you could do it. Forty one like years old, still on the national team, made an appearance this last year. But there's no way. That's the smallest guy I've ever seen be effective in the front row in international play. Ossie Antonetti. He's effective. I said effective. Was he not effective? Was he not against Puerto Rico? Did he play in Puerto Rico though? Have you seen Ozzy Antonetti play against the United States national team? I have not. No. It's never been pretty. It's been a while. It's never been pretty. Okay. Shut down city. Mm. Amazing player in college, though. Great player. Yeah. Yeah. Unless play Pep, we shut him down too. Ooh. Ooh. No, actually, Man. we, we lost. They win a national championship. Yeah, I think they did. Yeah. Yeah. Cold Pep <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'm misremembering history. Maybe. <laughs> misremembering. It's a shocker. <laughs> I am shocked right now that you are not remembering history. Correctly. No, and, I, and I'd like to see the kid have success. I think he will find success yeah, on a professional level. But if you're going to start talking national team, I'm sorry. In, in today's game, six feet for an outside hitter is too small. Yeah, I, I absolutely – I, I don't want to say I absolutely agree. Because as you remarkable never, as he is. Yeah, you never say no to anybody because, you know what, it's up to you how you – you are the master of your own destiny. Taylor Crabb is a very good player. And very. somewhere down the line, he is going to find success, whether on the beach, indoor – uh, it's just a matter of what level. I think if he wants to continue playing, he's got an option. And he does want to continue playing. I had an opportunity to chat with him briefly. Yeah. And I think he will He will have a fun career. You know who he reminds me of? Mm-hmm. I just thought of it. Who had a great career in Belgium. Strickland. Okay. He's a Chad Strickland kind of guy. Chad Strickland was that dynamic. He just played for Northridge, so there was no... Where's Gita? No getting the national Yeah. yeah where is Gita? Yeah, where is Gita, by the way? Who? Yeah, who? I saw Lakers. There was a Geeter oh, sighting yeah. at the finals. Text him, but he, he, he leaked me. Do you mean Chris McGee of yes, the Lakers? Yes, sorry. Chris McGee of the Lakers. Uh, was at, he's getting rid of yeah. Geeter? Of he Time was, Warner. He was that's awful. Chris McGee of Time Warner. I'm that's convinced awful. his younger daughter on Instagram, I convinced his younger really? daughter always wears, Luca. no, the younger one, Luca, always, no, always wears a bike helmet. A bike helmet. Strong like helmet game. Look at a strong helmet game. <laughs> I've never seen a photo of the kid without a helmet. I think it's surgically attached. <laughs> Did you, did you? And this is the last thing I'll ask about Taylor. Did, did, apparently, his parents were at the uh, at the the banquet. They were. Uh, the rumor was is that this is the first time that his wife, that his dad's wife, has ever seen his dad wear a suit ever. <laughs> wow. How awesome is that? That's sweet. Amazing. That's the life right there. Yeah. Hawaii, living a good life. I like it. It's nice. I was confusing the crabs. Mm. Confusing the crabs. Go on. 
drink. Man, I, I am going to get in trouble if I go further with that comment. So It's a total drink. Who's you confused? No, I asked Taylor if he was at our dinner, but we had not been to his dad's house. We had been to Tony's house yeah. oh. years ago with the national team. Got his it. uncle. Yeah, it was, it, it's his uncle's house who we were at. Not, and I asked him, oh, no, no, oh. Yeah, there's a lot of them out there. Yeah. yeah. That's a great family. Yeah. All, and all of them played on the combi court at Outrigger before when they were like younger. That's a fun little court. You ever Dude, see that? that's a that's a pretty cool thing. I haven't seen that. I don't remember that, but I remember being in the club and seeing the the courts and going out on a on a uh, actual outrigger. Yeah, they have uh, two courts that are normal size, and then they've got a little tiny kids court. They call the combi court, and it's awesome. Yeah, it's a little bit lower net, a little smaller court. People just go up there and bang away, and the kids are having a blast. That's that's where all those kids are out there playing. You know, they're just yeah. playing beach from the age of five on, and yeah, that's that's awesome to see. That There's is, a lot of Hawaii guys. You know, I know we're going to get to this probably later. There is a good number of Hawaii guys in the national training gym right now that are doing some really nice things. Oh, good, because it's been a little while. Yeah, yeah. Last guy I could think of is Jason Ring. Uh, well, Clay, Clay. Stanley. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Clay. Yeah, yeah. yeah Lawson's in the that gym guy. right now. Oh, just Clay. Just Clay, <laughs> that guy. Lawson's in the gym. Rawson, the uh, the middle blocker from a few years ago, is in the gym. I don't think he's from Hawaii. I think he's from Seal Beach. He's from here. Yeah. He went to Costa. But his family is Hawaiian. Okay, and so there you go. There's another uh, yep. another person there, and then obviously Clay, Shoji. Um, uh, Shoji's in the gym. Yeah. Micah's in the gym right now. And well, uh, I meant like U of H guy. That's what I was thinking. Uh, U of H guy, not the state guy. Yeah, I, I get missed Clay, but yeah, Clay of course went to Puerto Rico and played professionally first, and then came to the national team. Yep, yep, yeah. Ring probably was the last guy before that, but there's is there there's a this group. Ring there official official announcement on the other assistant at. You nope. That? No. Nope. And I and I've done some homework and nobody is. The one the one that got killed off was Charlie Sullivan. Yeah. That one got killed off from Springfield College. Yeah. So that's the name that was out there that got killed off. Yeah. On the World League site, uh that has the roster team composition, the second assistant coach is listed as Mike Seeley. Well, that's not gonna be Permanent. Permanent. That's just for the trip. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. just for the trip. So Yeah. So, I, that's a lot of UCLA love on that. That is a lot of UCLA. <laughs> Look at that. That's the entire UCLA staff. Uh, yeah. <laughs> is Joy McKenzie Firminger the trainer? You know, you know. here's here's what's funny is, is when all that stuff came down, I'm immediately thinking to myself, if I'm an MPSF coach, I'm immediately just throwing my hands in the air and going, now that just sucks for me recruiting-wise because – I, you walk into that gym and they go, hmm, national team head coach, national team assistant coach, national team training. And all of a sudden you're just kind of going, wow, that's uh, that's I, a nice staff. Now, granted, I might go to UCLA. <laughs> John, John, <laughs> Maybe that's what I'll do. John has every right to do to who he wants. Yeah. He obviously has a great staff. He knows what he's doing. He's not dumb. Uh, but it's a pretty nice be, uh, ability to be able to say, hey, this is my staff. This no is doubt. What we do. You know, I, I think that's an advantage, but at some point, you still run into the roster problem. That yeah. If you're a player, you're looking at the roster they have or who they have left, you need to play. Agreed. So you're going to go to another school. Agreed. I absolutely agree. He maybe have a, a better advantage of getting the first guy he wants, the but it's not chippers. like they're going to stockpile. No. Because he's the national team. Yeah, coach. it's not the UCLA old where they have 60 guys on that team that are, you know, trying out for the 12 spots, and next thing you know, the kid comes out yeah. eight years later, 60 pounds heavier, and kind of wondering what the hell just happened to him. You're not getting on the national team from behind the blue curtain in Pauly. <laughs> right. It's just not happening. Oh, now, wait a minute. I bet you there's a couple of people that did. we got to look. We got to do some, some searching on that one. Way too much research. Yeah. I don't know if they still have the curtain in the new Pauly. Probably not. No. <laughs> and I heard If that, they do, it's made of velour. Yeah. I, <laughs> I heard the women's team is no longer doing the end zone. They're going to go normal way like oh, really? the women's team. Yeah, which I think is kind of cool. They yeah, did a nice better. job, by the way. The, the Poly Pavilion construction, really nicely done. It does look nice. Yeah. First time there on Thursday to watch you guys play. Yep. I, I hadn't been there before, and it does look really nice, and that's coming from 
Somebody graduated from USC. Yeah. I love your venue, by the way. Galen Center? Yeah, I yeah. like it. I like it more than Poly just because it's more intimate and smaller. Poly is way big for volleyball. You can't fill it for volleyball. For volleyball and the intimacy of an event, I like SC getting Galen Center a little more. I tell you what, you're going to like Loyola's uh, Center next year. That's a real Loyola nice Chicago. Center. Yeah. And Chicago. how do you spell that? L O L O Y L A. Yeah. Unfortunately, people don't understand how to do homework and research things. But Jay, yeah. you, you had a couple of issues. I, you know, with, I, with the the event, and, I, and don't be shy, but I'm I'm not going to be shy. I, I did have a few issues. I'll tell you what. First of all, UCLA did a first class job in terms of putting together the venue and 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 making it a great place to play. So, uh, you know, I think I believe Gavin Crew was the guy's name who ran the whole thing there, and he did a really nice job. What the issue I have though is that there's just little things that added up along the way that either the NCAA did or you know somebody else that was involved did, and it's just, it's one of those things where you kind of go, you know, we know as men's volleyball teams, we're not exactly the high priority on the list. We've never been, and we're okay with it I, to a certain No, degree. you're not. No, no, no. We're okay with it to a certain degree, and here's the reason why. Uh, we walk into a gym. Maybe it, we're getting there a little bit late. Maybe the gym has basketball practice going on. What do volleyball guys do? Sit back and relax and chill. We're not upset. If you have some men's, uh, some, some women's teams walk into a gym – Two hours before a match, and that net is not set up, and the balls are not put together, all of a sudden, all hell breaks loose, and there's phone calls being made. This is unprofessional. So that that just sets the seat. We don't care as much. It's not that big of a deal. Can you at least not have a women's volleyball blown up on the outside of Poly Pavilion where people are walking in? Can we have a men's ball? I mean, it's made by the same company. It's not that big of a deal. It's a blue and gray and white ball out there blown up, though, and we don't use a blue, gray, and white ball. I think that's a small thing. <laughs> I also was upset at the fact that somebody writing on the screen that uh, Shane the Davis. The Jumbotron? Yeah, the Jumbotron, that Shane Davis yeah, was, I saw that. was UCI's winningest coach in program history. Now, to the average fan that doesn't know who Shane Davis is, they're thinking, wow, that's awesome. Oh, Great good for work. Him. Good for yeah. that guy. That's, that's, that's awesome. Congratulations. Yeah, to us in the stands that know the game, we're going to Dave Niffin's got some work to do. <laughs> That's that's one of those things where you go, really? Can we not just make that a, the, the right person for the right school? The fact that Loyola's name was spelled wrong in one of the press releases that went out, it's like, you know, those are little things that... That's, that's what I wonder about. How do you misspell... What's the other spelling of Loyola? <laughs> L-A-Y-O-L-A? Loyola? Loyola? <laughs> I don't know how Like Biola? Yeah, it's, it's just one of those things that you look at and you go... We could do a little better next time. Somebody could maybe dot the I's and cross the T's on some of that stuff. So that that's my hang up. I, I think it's I don't think it's anything major. I heard that the attendance record was what sixty over sixty two hundred? Something about the most in a men's neutral site. Was that what you're saying? Correct. Today? Yes. I don't know what the exact number was, but it was six thousand plus most attended non-host school being in the finals. That's pretty nice. Yep. It helped that BYU probably travels pretty well. Yeah. Yep. And that UCI is nearby. Yeah. There was a group of BYU kids sitting behind me, and I heard one of them go, I didn't just drive 10 <laughs> hours to lose in the finals. <laughs> just, yeah, you did. Just, Actually, yeah, you, yeah, you did. Yeah, 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 you did. Please tell me you turned around at the end of the match and said, yep, you just did. In three, by the way. You know, <laughs> in this, like, um, my dad's side of the family is Mormon, so the entire side of my dad's side is Mormon. Yeah. The best part about them being fans, they could be obnoxious, sure, but they're never going to curse. No. It's the weirdest thing when you're in playing in Smithfield House and you're back to serve and somebody's yelling at you 
in the cleanest language, like your grandma yelling at you. <laughs> they are the most. You are not though. good. You are going but to miss your but serve. They should be, they should be <laughs> what? They should be cheering for the team, but they are never going to curse at you or say anything derogatory. Here's my problem with BYU fans in my era: is they were very rude to our fans, our parents who had made the trip. They were unbelievably rude and unkind to those people without well, the swear like, words. Goat's blood on them or something? Like, yeah, that yeah. was rude. Like, there, what's your definition of rude? There was goat's something in goat's blood. <laughs> wow. That's rude. Yeah. That's, that's right where you go. Yeah, that's where I go with the rude. That's right where you go. You go right to paganism. Yeah. <laughs> paganism <laughs> and Provo. I didn't ever yeah, thought curious. about that. I didn't know yeah. what your definition there, of rude was. There was something about... a good name for a band, by the way. Paganism and Provo. Somebody out there. Perfect. Opening. Yeah, they're opening for DJ Roche. Yeah. Carlos. I already got the uh, website. Screaming so Trees is my favorite of all time. But anyway. So how are they being obnoxious to your parents? Uh, there was something about a stuffed fish and hitting like one of the moms with Ooh. a stuffed fish. Okay, Ooh. yeah. Then I would turn around and fight. Somebody. No, it just it wasn't cool. It wasn't cool. Yeah, there, there's but there's there's some issues up there. I will say this. If I was a BYU fan and after that suspect call to end game one, was it game one? Yeah. The that touch? One? The touch? No, game one, Kevin. Yep. <laughs> the non-touch that the replay, I don't know who touched the ball besides the floor after it went out of bounds. But I would have been cursing if I was a BYU fan. Hey, you know, BYU deserves a little bit of that. They've earned credit mm. on that one. Mm. Interesting. I like it. I because, like I... because there's a mysterious thing that when BYU goes to the side of a court, the lines magically pick up and they move <laughs> about three feet out and then set back down. And then the end line, the end line is actually mobile during play. It's very odd. So wow. what you're saying is you have some pent-up hostility. I'm saying that BYU linesmen cheat. That's, would you like it? <laughs> you're just going to go, like go all out and say that. <laughs> would you like it in more plain form? Nah, BYU linesmen it. have a history of super homerism. Super homerism. Well, the fact that I the like dude it. from The Hangover was reffing the matches <laughs> freaked <laughs> me out just a little Zach bit. Zach Galifianakis? Yeah. Full on beard. Not as round as Zach, but like yeah. he looked just like he's, him. He's an East Coast guy. He's actually he also rough. he also did Saturday Night Live on Saturday. So it was yeah, like it was impressive. Incredible was coast really to coast wow. travel. Jennifer him, yeah. Aniston look like contest. It was amazing. Uh, Zach Galifianakis is one of the great guys out there too, comedian wise. Not yeah. not the ref. I I don't know him personally, but the the actual Zach. Galifianakis. But who called the touch? Was it a line judge or was it the up ref? I didn't even up ref. See... I believe made the call. Uh, which uh, there was some there was some discrepancies. Maybe I don't know. I didn't I didn't. It, Even on the replay, I couldn't tell. I, and I thought they weren't allowed to play replays of these things. As the, why? Well, you should replay everything. You, well, we're going to get into another subject then. If, should replay be allowed in? Should there be a questionable call? In, in right. No, there shouldn't be a replay. There should be a challenge system, but they ought to have the camera system. I think. Well, it's expensive to do that system. super high slow-mo thing. It's, it's awesome on the FIVB. What's it cost? Three grand? I, I don't know. What's you, it you cost know, to buy? You know more than I do. How many women's and men's events are held at Poly? I don't know. You could, know, you could buy it for them. both national yeah, championships. <laughs> okay. You could you could tote the machine to both national championships. Okay. To the semis and the finals. Okay. Sure. They got the money. I think three grand, five grand, ten I, grand. I think, and, and, and I, maybe you could do this in the future. Is you have that eagle eye system that tennis uses. Right. That's and, one, yeah. and so what you can do for the line calls is be able to look on the screen and be able to see instantly where that that heat circle is that they that they use to show where the ball's in or out. The touch thing, yeah, maybe if it only costs three grand, then sure. But we Hold can't on. even put the semis on ESPN. Now you want to ask Hold them on. to spend three grand on that? No, no, but they're not spending three grand on it. I'm talking about three grand for it's a system in house, right? It's not just a TV system. I, you know what? I, I, I don't understand. Think... Anyways, 
I want it for the semifinals and finals, men's and women's, and I also want it for BYU every match they hold. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Just, for B- just specifically for BYU. <laughs> We're going to spend all this money just for you guys. <laughs> yes. Yes. By the way, I have a new drinking game. If anybody out there watches BYU TV, and I love the, the, the quality of program that they put out is absolutely outstanding. High def. I can watch it on my smart TV. So now I'm getting full 55-inch screen. Nice. BYU. You're, you're going to Apple TV? Uh, no, no, no. I just have smart TV. It's already oh, built nice. in. And it is phenomenal. Uh, people need to start taking note. However, every time one of those announcers, and I forget the guy's name, goes, Wow, Taylor Sander. <laughs> that you need to drink. Yeah. You need to drink. And I guarantee you by the end of the first game, not set, first game, you will be schnockered. All right. <laughs> Let's take, a, let's take a short break here on the net live. We have Jay in-house. By the way, Apple TV, yes, the I most have useful, most useful, apparently useless object. Like, if you look at it at, at the store, it's 100 bucks. You go, this thing appears to be useless. You buy it, you put it on your TV, the most useful, apparently useless object in the world. I have one. They're yeah. fabulous. Sponsored Pizza by technology. Apple. <laughs> I have a lot of Apple stuff here. I do, You have Apple. That's Apple. I would love I an Apple, Apple TV. There's 100 bucks. It, Apple TV is awesome. out there. Apple yeah. TV is awesome. Yeah. Oh, the actual television. I'm talking about the little no, box. No, no, no. I'm talking box. about the little box, too. I'm little saying box if, Apple, awesome. if people in Cupertino are listening. Well, maybe. Can we get an Apple sponsorship? Well, if Reed would have maybe won his last tournament. Yeah, he probably would have yeah, won yeah, them would've. for everybody. Yeah, we would have. Would have been raining Apple yeah. TV. <laughs> <laughs> but since... <laughs> but since Kevin Hansen's team defeated Reed's team, uh, maybe Hansen should be buying some Apple TVs. hey yo, I'm in. Kevin right. Hansen. Kevin Hansen. The Net Live on a Monday. We'll be right back with David Niffin, UCI National Championship. National Champion.
Welcome back to the Net Live here on Volleyball Magazine. Much appreciated the support of Volleyball Magazine as well as Inspire Institute for this program. And your support, picking up the T-shirts that we sold for the last year and a half or so. A couple of them on display right here in the studio right now. DJ Roche in gray and Dustin Amal in uh, appropriately blue. My Our, wife loves my shirt, by the way, my Net Live nice. shirt. She wears it more than I do. Gardhop was rocking his at the... Uh, yeah, finals. he was. If we had a Net Live Instagram account, we could take a picture of it and post it to our Instagram account. We probably should have a Net Live Instagram account. I tweeted that earlier, but nobody responds to the tweets at the Net Live. By the way, Matt came out to yeah, me. Yeah, can I be in charge of... Not in charge, but can I get the password for... You, your social yeah. media. Yeah, your yeah social, media. social media. Promotion! Sound guy. What else can I do besides what actually I do for a living? By the, the way, Gardhop came up to me at the, at the match on... Uh, okay. On Saturday, and uh, his dad is a humongous fan of the show. Pete Sayers was his name. I want to give him a shout out. But uh, Garthoff, uh one of the good guys out there, doing a lot of good stuff. Okay, I, <laughs> Garthoff's daughter and her friend were on the video board multiple times <laughs> during the finals. It was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> can Can I talk about Garthoff and the collage? Because I I looked at the collage yesterday when it went up. <laughs> <laughs> it's getting get to the point where even I don't remember what ended <laughs> oh, we up talked on about the blog. Yeah. No, Jeremy and what? I talked about this there on Thursday night. There I don't know what that is. There were some things. I was like, what? what like, when did that? I talk about that? But he remembers. <laughs> it's like one sentence that we said during yeah. the show, and he picked up on it. And there's awesome. some stuff that I'm trying to bait him with that I throw him like, oh, yeah, collage. And it doesn't end up, and I'm a little disappointed. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm trying to influence he doesn't the collage. Take, he doesn't want to take the obvious, Kevin. No, it's his creative, uh, his creative force behind it. I understand it's his. And he doesn't want to take some of the stuff I put in there. But, uh, yeah, the indoor kitty was pretty funny. That's twice now we've had the <laughs> Penn State indoor cat. <laughs> We're at the no offense taken, guard off. It's all good. Uh, all right. We have our first guest. And, and you look like you want to introduce him. You oh, look hold, like... Wait. wait Dustin's here. Going. Yeah, this is why I'm here. Oh. For the sole reason. And Jay, I'm, che- I'm checking out. I'll have, I'll have a question or two for this guy. But I'm checking. I'm letting, This is Dustin Avall's The Net Live. The first thing you need to say about this young man is that he is a national champion. Now in his own right, he earned it. He has a history of leadership. In fact, starting the boys' volleyball program at Chico High School when he was back there, he matriculated to LMU, where he flowed butter backside to Reed Pretty, and then ended up at UCI. He was a member of the staff for national championships, but this year he won one as the head man. Say hello to David Niffin. What's up, Niff? Good morning, guys. Thanks for having me. I believe you left out the Pierce. I did leave that. Yeah. He was an L.A. Pierce guy for a year. I left out the Pierce connection. That's right. Brahma. <laughs> Brahma. Out of way. Niff, first, first of all, congratulations from the Net Live. And, and real quick, what was, uh, what was Saturday night like for you? Uh, you know, it's, uh, it, it all happened so fast. I mean, we... Uh, we were so caught up. I think Connor Hughes actually articulated it very well. We were so caught up in the point-to-point in the moment that I, I, I don't know that I really realized that the match was over. Um, you know, I, I know I walked to the net, and I, I know I shook some hands, and we had the press conference. And then, you know, later that night, I just kind of took some time solo. And, and uh, you know, I don't think it was really till the next morning that, that it all kind of started to sink in a little bit, you know, the, the, the full journey and what we had achieved. You guys uh, were down. If we get into the to the details of the match, you guys were down pretty late in Game Three. I think it was twenty four twenty one that you were trailing, and then came back to win. And maybe that's why uh, you, you sort of got caught up in the whole thing. Talk about a little bit the, the the strategy of your team and being able to be down like that and come back and win not only just a game or a match, but the national championship. Yeah, 
you know, going into that, we were prepared for a battle. Uh, we were prepared to go long that night, and I, I think a lot of us actually expected that uh, more than anything. And and one of the things we know about BYU is they have just that, that blistering offense. I mean, they've, they've got some, some arms over there and some great volleyball players. And, and actually, the thing that I think a lot of people overlook with, with a guy like Ben Patch is he's been getting so much better defensively and has been making some big scramble plays and keeping the ball alive. So, you know, we expected long rallies and the potential for BYU to run points. And, you know, our thing was going to be that we could potentially get blown out in a couple games. You know, if this thing were to go five, we could get blown out in games. But all we got to do is win by two. And, you know, so we were really going to be focused on playing the point-to-point stuff. And we were really just going to ignore the scoreboard and focus on the actual execution of the game plan, which was, you know, pretty straightforward for us. And I thought our guys did a phenomenal job of that, obviously. You know, we were down 4-11 in game two, and then we were down 21-24 in game three. Um, so to battle back in those runs of points was, was big. You know, the, the dialogue in the huddle uh, was just, you know, we don't need to close the gap right now. We don't need to score enough points to get to 11-11 right now. We don't need to score enough points to get to 24-24 right now. But, but we, need to, we need to get this one and then we'll figure out how to get the next one. And then let's get that one, then we'll figure out how to get the next one. And that was, you know, that was pretty much the extent of the uh, the management of those situations. And Nith, uh, Barnett here, I, I think there's a lot of attention paid to Kevin Tilly and his talents because of the success he's had internationally. But do some of your other guys get overlooked? I mean, Connor Hughes, most outstanding player for the tournament, and also Zach LaCavera, they all had equal kills, those three players, Cavera, Hughes, and Tilly. This seems like a very balanced attack. Do you feel like those guys get overlooked a little bit in the, the broader focus when you have a media event or something uh, talking about the team? Not not this season. I actually thought it was very appropriate. You know, I mean, Connor didn't really have a great match until the finals. You know, I think he played okay all year. And he had some moments where he, he stepped in and he saved us in some matches and he played his role, but his role was not starter and star. And, you know, based on matchups and what we wanted to do, Connor was kind of allowed to come forward. And obviously, Connor's a competitor, and he's he's big in big moments, and he's a clutch guy, and we saw that last season as well. And, you know, I think the comment in the press conference was, you know, you don't really get to see Connor Hughes until you see Connor Hughes in a national championship match, and then you see what he's capable of. So you can overlook him all year, but you're not really overlooking at him because he, he hasn't really done anything yet. And then you get him into a championship match, and, you know, I think he received the – the notoriety he deserved, you know, with the, the MVP of the tournament. I, I thought that was spot on. Uh, so that was no, – I think it was pretty accurate, actually. Uh, and this is Jay. First of all, congratulations. That was uh, quite a performance by you guys. Um, my question is is more about of, of your position at UC Irvine and, and stepping into this program again after taking a year off and going to Illinois and, and obviously helping them get to a national champion. You know, Sparat talks a lot about culture change and about uh, trying to bring something to the table that makes this program bigger and better. And obviously you were a part of that culture change in the beginning, but taking the year off and then coming back into the head position, what, what are some of the things that either A, you're saying, hey, this isn't broke, we're not fixing it, and B, I kind of want to bring my own personality and flair to this thing and, and let the team kind of drive it in a different direction. Were there anything like that that, that stuck out to you that, that are that are you know big for now and for the future? Gosh, yeah, that's pretty insightful. Um, yeah, no, I, I think that's the, the biggest thing for me coming in was that I needed to figure out how I wanted to coach, you know, and I, I think that's going to be a process. I One of the things I talked to the guys about, when I was going through the interview is that, you know, look, the coach I'm going to be in year one is not the coach I necessarily want to be in year five. This is going to be a process. And, you know, 
as you guys are developing as players and as people, I'm going to need your help developing me. You know, this is this is going to be a, a dialogue as we go through this year. And, you know, I, if there was anything, I was incredibly grateful and appreciative of the guys because they, they worked with me in that, you know, and obviously I'm, I'm giving my 2% in this process and, uh, you know, it, it was important, but I think what was more important was that they helped with that development. And, you know, going through, I, I think the other thing that, that needs to be noted is, you know, that year at Illinois was incredibly beneficial for me. You know, being at a Big Ten institution, um, working in a great program, you know, obviously working with uh, Kevin Hamley was big, and, you know, the entire Illini staff was was important. I think that's when I started to, to view this more as a professional career versus just a, a job in volleyball. And I was talking to Hamley yesterday, you know, and I think it's important that he realizes that he had his fingerprints all over this as well. Um you know, that was big in terms of development and, and, you know, the culture there was special. And I think there were some pieces of that that we brought back and were able to put into UC Irvine Volleyball, to, you know, to keep bettering it. So I don't know if that fully answers your question, but those are definitely thoughts that have run through my mind as well. Dave, does John Spraw, who was there before and recruited those players, does he maintain some credit in this as well? Oh, there's no question. There's no question. I mean, I, I think the neat thing for me was after the match when uh, – you know, I, I was looking around and, uh, you know, some of the alums came up to me and they were just so proud and it was so neat because there are things in this program that are, are so far beyond individuals, but all of us have had a piece in it along the way. And it was just so neat to see that. I mean, there's there's going to be parts of this that, you know, John is intertwined into the program. They're now intrinsic little components that, that he's left behind. And guys like Nick Spittle, Anthony Spittle, Paul Spittle that have come through and you know, these are these are alums and guys who played in the program that kind of flew under the radar, but but they're there. And uh, you know, I think the the thing for me that I was thinking before the match and, and immediately after the match was just what a cool collective effort this was, and how how neat it was for me to be a part of it. Uh, you know, I, I I think that I think that I was the right guy to come in right now, but it, it doesn't mean that uh, that I had that big a, a hand in it. I just think. I look around, and I'm just appreciative of everyone from, you know, Sparrow to, to Will Montgomery to, to everybody in between. Dave, one of the guys you kept from the previous staff was Mark Presho. How critical was Presho in kind of being a bridge between the previous coaching staff and your new philosophies? Uh, every every piece of the staff this year was vital, uh, and, and Presho is not excluded from that. Without Presho, we don't we don't take a shot at that title. I mean, I, I really think it's that black and white. You know, the continuity that he provided was big. And, you know, another thing with Presh is, is and those that know him, I mean, uh, Anthony Spittle, who was a, a veteran. What's that? For those that don't know him, his hair is perfect. Yeah, yeah he is. And, and uh, actually, our libero, Michael Brinkley, styled his hair before the championship match. Yes. So <laughs> we we, we got to give a little credit to, to Brinkley as well. But, uh and Presh was getting a tan, by the way, by the hotel pool right before they left. I'm, I'm oh, hey, yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Presh has got to get the vitamin D synthesis going before the match. <laughs> yeah, get, yeah, come on, get. Yeah, but no, but but Presh, you know, Anthony Spittle, uh, who was a setter for us for a few years, you know, coined a term for for Presh, which was just he, he always said Presh had instinct, you know, and I. It's true, you know. Presh is a competitor, and he wins, and he's you know he's got a full time job. Uh, you know, he's here with us part-time. He's at all our practices, and, and he comes to the matches. And, you know, he spends limited time in the office. But it's amazing when he's around, there's just a vibe 
and, and there's something that just infects the team. It, it's it's that confidence, the composure, and he can dialogue with the guys. And there's just there's a level of respect for him as an assistant coach that I, I just think is unmatched. Uh, so it's it, it's been huge, obviously, having him on board. We've got Dave Niffin here, uh, national champion coach from UC Irvine, back-to-back national championships now for, for UC Irvine in four and seven years. What do you think about that, Neff? I mean, when you played at, at UCI, it was sort of a different culture, a different uh, uh, thought went into, from the outside at least, went into what the program was like at, at UC Irvine. Now as the head coach of a almost a dynasty or at least a a, uh, a powerhouse, what's, what's the difference like? Uh, you know, I, I think one of the biggest differences is, is funding. Honestly, uh, you know, when I came in, we uh, we were a bunch of blue-collar athletes that worked really hard, but we had two scholarships, and, you know, that, uh, that makes it tough. It makes it tough to compete with programs, you know, and I, I don't know exactly how the numbers break down, but, you know, you look at a program like UCLA that won all those championships early, and, and you know, the funding between, you know, UC Irvine and, and a UCLA at that time was a massive divide. You know, now we're a fully funded program, and actually – it's, I liken it to the situation that uh, Loyola Chicago is in right now. You know, Loyola just received full funding four or five years ago, and here they are four or five years later making a Final Four appearance. That was UC Irvine. That was the difference between a 2002 and a 2006 when we, we made that first Final Four appearance and lost in the semis to Penn State. Uh, so I think that, as much as anything, is, is the biggest component. I think the culture, uh, the kind of athlete that comes to UC Irvine, hasn't changed all that much except now we can recruit one or two maybe bigger guns or bigger arms but uh i think that's the biggest piece what's the uh you know flat out what's the difference winning a national championship as an assistant coach versus as a head coach yeah uh, i don't know i don't feel any it's a nice uh, problem lessons. to have let me tell you that it's a nice question mm-hmm. to be able to answer mm-hmm. yeah i it is it's 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 an honor that's for sure uh you know, I'm I'm incredibly grateful for the opportunity and 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 being here, but I don't feel any less invested um, as a head coach than I I did as an assistant. Uh, you know, I was I was pretty much all in as an assistant, and I think part of that was being an alum, and you know, part of that was just you know not knowing any better. So I was I was throwing myself all in as an assistant. Uh, uh, but no, it's it's uh, it's an exciting feeling. I, I think the most exciting part for me now, though, is honestly, it's it's getting past the championship and looking at the next month and a half we have a school and, and there's a lot of development that still needs to happen with our guys. You know, I mean our our thirty second debrief in the in the locker room when we got in there before the press conference was based around, you know, hey, I'm proud of you, thanks for the opportunity and, and just so you know, this is a nice checkpoint in the journey, but this is not what you serve on men's volleyball is about. This is this is not what defines us as a program or as people. Uh what's gonna define us is the continued growth and, and the continued journey. So it's nice to be able to hoist up a a chunk of wood at the end of the year. I mean, I think that's neat. And, uh, you know, obviously I'm grateful for it. As a competitor, I like winning. But, you know, looking around, it was neat for me to see the guys engaged, and they, they bought into this idea and this process that this is about overall development and the journey, and, and uh, you know, that continues. So I think that's the difference for me is that I didn't have that sense as an assistant coach. Uh, and being able to drive the bus now, this period from May to June is maybe the most important time of my career as a head coach because this is where the real development happens when we're outside the gym. Yeah, good point. Hey, Niff, uh, 
it's very ironic that I happen to be looking at a magazine sitting in front of me, and it says best places to camp. And I believe there's some rumors floating <laughs> around back in the day that uh, you may have stayed in a tent here and there around campus when you were going to school. <laughs> and obviously, uh, you know, you, you've got this wonderful opportunity to go down off to Nicaragua. What what are some of the better places to stay on campus when you're in a tent by chance? <laughs> So my, my, you know, I, I used up my four years of eligibility uh, in my first four years, and you know, you have you have five to play four. At Loyola Marymount, I, I played in one match, and I effectively ruined my redshirt year by doing that. Um, so I, I did get to flow backside to read pretty, maybe twice, and I think both were just terrible sets that he said <laughs> away. But, way to uh, go, Rick McLaughlin! Way to ruin that that redshirt. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, Rick. Rick, Rick was very open with me about the decision. You know, being a freshman, I, I thought that was the best thing for me at the time. But uh, so, but you know, obviously the program was dropped. I transferred to Pierce and then went to uh, UC Irvine to finish up. And I, because my academic and athletic clock were a little mistimed after two transfers, it took me a little longer to finish school. Uh, Katrina Long, who was the uh, SWA here at the time, was able to find limited funding for me to kind of help me stay motivated to stay in school and finish my degree. So I'll, you know, I'll be forever grateful there. But uh, <laughs> I, I wasn't in a position to really pay for, for school, and so I, I crashed around a lot. And, yes, it, it is accurate that I had a couple nights in a, in a tent. That's awesome. Possibly on campus, yeah. That is awesome. <laughs> from, Amazing. From tent to national champion, Niff. That's an awesome story. Rags and Richards. <laughs> well, Dave, Dave, we know you have to go. We know you have a busy day ahead of you as the national champion. I'm sure lots of uh, dinners and obligations. But thanks for spending a little bit of time with us here, and, and congratulations from all of us. It was fun to watch you and the developments with this team this year, and we look forward to many good years with you there at UCI. Thanks so much, guys. Thanks for being the voice of volleyball for us. I appreciate it. All right, Dave Niffin. Head good coach, on you, Niff. Nice UCI, job. UCI bringing home the fourth national championship for that program. Boy, what a rise. We talked a little bit about that program, and when I played, they were just kind of eh. Yep. And they got a little better, but it's been an amazing 10, 15 years for that <laughs> that program since John took over and now David Niffin continuing. I feel a little That uh, history of leadership. I like that. Yeah. yeah. I well, feel he, a little uh, sense of pride, though. I was a UCI staff. Uh, I was coaching there for the women's team for a year. I feel a little UCI pride there. That's nice. Zot, zot. Nice job. Yeah, buddy. UCI. You got an anteater somewhere on you? No, nah, I don't know. I do not have a tattoo of an anteater anywhere. But. When, we, when we played, UCI was, uh, they were always good, sort of smaller, ball control, really good beach player types of guys, which made sense in Orange County, but never really the big guns like Nif sort of referred to that they have the accessibility to now, like like the Tillies and the Danos. And you had Pelzell at one time. You had yep. Harger at one time. Yep. Uh, yeah, you're right. There, there was never really John Hobbin. Whoa. <laughs> Bring out the Kraken? What? Yeah. <laughs> Hobbin? I don't even remember that guy's name. He played opposite the time Harger oh, was playing middle. Okay. So, but, you know, they, you're right. They didn't have the big, big-time player. I mean, it was uh, Donnie Rafter was, like, the type of guy. He's, like, 6'1", six 6'2", six and just chisel ball. Yeah, Rob. Rob, that's right. Yeah, all these guys. And he mentioned all the Spittles. Um, great. I always a fan of the program. Always thought that they, you know, did things right. I participated as a coach in some of their camps and that sort of stuff because I did think that what they were doing was right. But yeah, history of leadership. Dave Niffin. Uh, I didn't know the story about the tents. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Sort of a, a maybe a, a more highbrow story, if you will, is that he when he was in high school, he basically formed a uh, a council to take to the school board to form a boys volleyball program because they only had girls and it became the first boys volleyball program in high school north of Sacramento. 
Chico, uh, well-known uh, party town, Chico State. Anybody here name the uh, mascot? It's Wildcats, by the way, if you didn't know. Housecat? Indoor or outdoor? How, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Chico State, a little little roundabout fact about Chico State. Um, Bow tie I, or gold chain? <laughs> when I was at Santa Cruz, we went to go play there one weekend, and, and it was on a Monday night that we were playing. And I'm not lying to you, Monday night in Chico, Raging harder than any Vegas night you've ever been. <laughs> nice. Just, just throwing that out. Nice. There. But yeah, Chico State. That's a that's a that's a podunk town. Chico. There's not oh. much going on out there. Is yeah. there a prison? Yeah. I don't know. Is there a prison? There's a prison. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. There's a lot of lot of fields. <laughs> a lot of space. If you like that kind of thing. Speaking of Vegas, I was in Vegas this weekend for Supercross. Oh, drink. Drink. <laughs> and uh, final event of the season. A lot of fun. Vegas is a place that. I could not live. And I think every time I come back from there, I'm sure there's a wonderful, vibrant community that's outside of that strip. Henderson. Every yeah. time hey, I can't live on in, this. You can't live on this strip. Every time I step into no. that strip, I just wonder if it would completely pervert your sense of society. <laughs> Vegas is one of those places that if you go Thursday to Sunday, it's one day too long. If you go Saturday to Sunday, it's one day too short. That's yeah. why Friday yeah. to Sunday is perfect. Yeah, you're Dude, you're right on that. You got to get out of town on Sunday. You've had enough. You can't. Your yeah. voice is raspy. Yeah, your body hurts. Talk, you were talking earlier about the plane ride out there. Right. The the one guy who always says what? Well, here's what happens. You get on the plane flight from here to Vegas, which is 45 minutes, versus a four and a half to five hour drive on the way there because it'll take you seven and a half hours to get back. But 45 minute plane ride. You jump on. Everyone is amped. The energy is awesome and. Halfway through, somewhere over Zizix, yes, out in the Zizix. middle of the desert, somebody just randomly blurts out, Vegas, baby, we're going to Vegas! <laughs> There's always that one guy, and then the whole plane starts chuckling or echoing it. You know, It's, it's kind of like a, a call and repeat, right? <laughs> Vegas, 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 Vegas! And then the, verse, the converse on Sunday when everybody's lost all their money and they're, they're tired, and that, that plane ride is very quiet. My Your, flight home yesterday, everyone was asleep. <laughs> Your flight home on Sunday from Vegas can never be early enough. When you're when you're booking it, you're like, well, I don't want to leave at eight or nine in the morning. That's too early. But when you're there and you wake up, at, you know, with like a Cheeto stuck to your face, and you're in last night's clothes, and everything smells like smoke, and you're like, how can I get out of here quickly? Yeah, no amount of chlorine. Yeah, will that one fifteen flight looks terrible right now. Yeah, yeah, that want to get away fare. You yeah. want that to be an anytime fare on Southwest. And that and that airport on Sundays is ridiculous. Trying to get, I mean, seven and a half hours driving back, oh, it, yeah. it'll take you three or four hours just yeah. to get through the security line at that place. Yeah, to that point, my flight was supposed to be at 1 yesterday. I went on the 1130. I'm like, there you go. I yeah. checked in, it gave me the 1130. I'm like, yes! <laughs> Score. Get me out of here. I need to go. And you know, the other thing is people were hammered on my flight there. I left at 7.15 a.m. on Friday. Half the plane's <laughs> drunk. Oh, yeah. 7.15. Oh, yeah. They're, doing blood, they're doing bloodies on the shuttle right over to the airport, yeah, man. Yeah, 5 a.m. Time to get close. going. I don't think they ever went to sleep. It's just getting after it. You know, I'm not going to lie to you. I might, I might do that once in a while just because, but no. Yeah. It weighs on you, that's for sure. Yeah, I, had, I was basically babysitting oh, sure. a friend of mine at the track on Saturday. Like, I come down. I'm there working, right? This is I'm working all day. I come down. These guys are in the rider seating area, so they're sitting with, like, it's like if the teams came out for the, the finals or the semifinals, the second set of teams came out and sat in the stands. This is where my friends are sitting. It's with the riders, their families, and so on. My one friend is six foot five, about 270, strong as an ox and just belligerent when he's had a few drinks. So he stands out is what you're saying. He started at 1030. <laughs> he's already made angry one of the moms and one of the riders. 
Now he's uh, down there making angry some other mom from some other rider. And we go to leave, and I, I normally take – if you come with me to a, to a Supercross, I take you down on the track afterwards. Like, I get you out on the track. You can walk around it and check it out. I told one of my buddies, said, he is not track ready. He is not track eligible right now. <laughs> he does not have a hot or cold pass. And I tried to no. explain to him, no like, like, dude, his name's Kevin. And I tried to explain, I'm like, Kevin, you're in my office right now. So basically what you're doing, we're going to come over to your place on Wednesday at about 11 a.m. Yes, to nice. your office. Yes. And Can we go gonna, right now? Yeah. We're going to go get drunk show. in your office. And then after we're done with your office and we trash it, we're going over to your boss's office. <laughs> nice. And we're going to put our feet on his desk. Yes. And we're going to offer him a brewski or two. Who's with me? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he did not understand that notion. We're what? going streaking. Why are there mothers yes. that are pissed off? That That's who he was. Yeah, exactly. That's who he was. Yeah. He's We're like, get streaking. your green hat. You're yeah. mad at my son because he doesn't know how to shift right. I'm going to say something about it. He wouldn't sit down. He takes up a lot of space, and she couldn't see her son in the race. So is this a former friend now? or Wait, she can't just no, get up and move around him? There's not a lot of seating left. but It's motocross. You've got 48 Drink. different turns that you can sit at. There's also 48,000 people there. Have, it's packed in. Wait, wait, wait. So wait more wait. than Bali is what you're saying. <laughs> Slightly. Slightly. Soon, hopefully not enough. That's, that, I, I, I'm, I'm, a little bit, uh, I'm a little bit baffled by all that, but okay. I've said before, average attendance is 55. Did the mothers have tattoos wow. and wear a lot of affliction clothing? Was that? Uh, no, that's over for the fight. That's a different scene. <laughs> 55,000? Is that average? Is that what you said? For yeah, motocross? Motocross. For drink. one 50,000 is the average. Just drink. Just keep drinking. Don't <laughs> stop. Just don't stop drinking this show. Just, just keep drinking. Do you have something downstairs that we can just yeah. kind of start breaking open right now? Let's just get after it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like we all have jobs. It actually it actually might be a little lower this year. Here, hold on. I sent you guys an email. And who's the rider guy that has his mom next to him like, as he's getting ready to race? Like, yeah. No, 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 no. It's up in the stands. We're up in the stands. Oh, There's a whole section where all friends know. and family sit. They get passes oh, for a certain it's like NFL wives club. I'm a judgment-free zone because my mom would be raging. <laughs> Ask Dieter about the first time we were in Tempe, Arizona. He's like, oh, your mom's here? And I go, yeah. He's like, where is she? I go, she's the one over there standing on her chair cheering. That's awesome. Standing <laughs> on her plastic chair cheering. She's doing keg stands. Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> I think he, I sent this to you guys. The attendance this year was like 850,000 yeah. wow. people. At, wow. one, at one race. No, totally. I, I know. I, I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot. That's a lot. It's a lot. Somehow we have got to get at least one-tenth of that to go to the volleyball throughout the year. Yeah. Immense. One-tenth. AVP is back. AVP. Hey, nice segue. AVP is back. Okay. A lot of, a lot of tweeting going on by the AVP account. Uh, they're getting a lot of just press, I think, lately. They've got CBS Sports signed on for some television. They've got... I thought it was clever the way they did that. What's that? You had to dig to figure out it was CBS Sports in many cases. It was like CBS partner. Yeah. Well, that's, CBS. That's good. That's, that's what their job is, is marketing. Well, it's eyes on, and I think they said they're going to stream the semis and then show the finals live. Correct. Is what I read. We talked about this before, and here's my question. Somebody was saying, you know, it's, it's hard to get somebody to stream the match live because your market mostly is out playing that day, depending on where you are in the country. And so Correct. you're really not hitting your target market. Now, the beauty of DVR is you're still going to get to watch it later Correct. on. Can we not do something where the, the evening time under the lights is when you're playing these final matches so that you can get your crowd to actually watch the match live? And they can show up and drink and have a good time. Absolutely. That's, what, that's why the Olympics, and, all the big matches are at night. And do it, on sun, well, do it on Saturday. The reason why the matches are at night is for uh, TV. But 
No, they would hold them. They would hold them late anyway. Didn't uh, Vegas do that in, that night? in London? Yeah, but it's for prime time for us in the United States. I understand that's why it was that late, like eleven yeah. or something. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. you still, if you hold it at like seven, yep. you make it like a destination. To Jay's point, I, I think that's a good idea. I'm with you. Uh, Vegas, we would do late at night because it was too hot during yeah. the day, so we yeah. would start late. Which yeah. was, but in Vegas, people are just raging. It was great. Anyway. They, they hire you, and then it goes from being the the semifinals or the finals in the evening to. A party, Rage directly. Everyone in the same spot. Everybody can show up dressed. It's cooler out. The sun's going down. Everyone can have a, a rager afterwards. In some locations in California, it could be cool at night. Well, and it'll also up the... But it'll be hot inside. Uh, you, yeah. have to ha- you have to raise the cost of the, the event production, right? Lights and all that stuff where you have the natural light. And yeah, yeah. Well, then, at the then you pay for the finals. We can go old school uh, and just have everybody park their cars around the street. There you go. <laughs> Johnny, Utah! <laughs> The fact that beach volleyball is going to be on TV and streaming yeah. is a good thing, period, if you can get your eyes yeah. on it. I don't know what channel that is on my cable box yet. I will be looking for it and see it's if out I can there. find I'm, it. But I'm telling you right now, here's how it's got to be. NBC I, Sports Network, CBS Sports Network, Fox Sports 1. I, mean, it. I think, I think we're, and, I don't, and I mean this with all due respect, I think we're shooting too high trying to get CBS and NBC and ESPN. Here's the reason why. Not the sports network, the, though. This the, is their wheelhouse. The, the cost. The cost for them to run that production is has got to be upwards of – Millions. I got to. I got to. No, I don't think millions. But over the course of a season, there's only five events. Well, you're no, flying. Just the TV side. Like, or are we talking about the whole thing? The flying, whole shebang. You're flying the whole talent shebang. out, all that stuff. Here's, yeah, here's, but even that, not millions. Here's where I'm going with this. Hundreds of thousands. For sure. You look at H5 at Hawaii. You look at BYU TV. You look at a couple other schools that have done it over the course this year. Online is where the future is. One hundred percent. It's way cheaper. And the quality is just as good. And with everybody's TVs now being linked Hold up on. to their computers or being smart TVs, you can watch it full screen. Wait, why Why is it way cheaper? Tell me how it's way cheaper. Uh, but they're also in one location. They don't have to move the stuff around. Tell, tell, me, tell me how TV. it's way cheaper. Uh, let's see. Amount of people to actually run the cameras at the event? No. No? How many people run an event in a, in a place like uh, BYU TV versus if, if you're gonna, PBS? Well, see, again, because they have BYU TV, they just have a static space. They're using students for some of that stuff. That's that's like using – I mean, yeah, if you held it at Folsom Prison, we could do it pretty cheap. <laughs> you know, because the labor's not costing you anything. It'd be like an old Street Fighter <laughs> game where you, uh, you fight in the different venues. Yeah, but No, I, I think that's a misnomer. The only thing that's, quote, cheaper is the purchasing of the airtime. Okay. So if you're purchasing airtime – now, CBS Sports Network is cheaper than buying on CBS or NBC. Okay. Okay, because and that's why I think that's sort of this is sort of the wheelhouse for volleyball and and maybe the the platform for the non-internet side okay. of things is these sports channels because now it is a destination channel although it's still over air. But you, how many people get those channels on their regular cable? Ninety percent of people that have cable. So it's so you, you just don't know, know it's there. It's is there. that what it is? Yeah, because these are newer channels like the the collegiate sand championships which I'll be doing again. Drink. In a week. It's collegiate beach championship. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> collegiate beach championship. Which I'll be doing again in a week. That aired last year on CBS Sports Network. It will air again this year on CBS Sports Network. Right. And NBC Sports Network has picked up a bunch of stuff because that used to be Versus, which used to be OLN. Okay. Right. So that's kind of evolved. And that has some hockey on it. That has um, a variety of other events that I've watched. Tour de France. Oh, yeah. the Peloton. So there, this is where I think that it's reasonable. But there is no difference cost-wise. You're still bringing the truck. Okay. You're still bringing the cameraman. Okay. You're still running all the cables and setting up the cameras, and there's where at Beach, yeah, because you're setting up at a venue that's just a pickup venue. You've got to bring everything, 
Right. Whereas at BYU or Galen Center or Staples the Center, Staples Staples Center, Center it's all in, wires already run. Yeah. They pull up the truck, they plug it in, that's done. Let me ask you this. Here's another, and I'm going to ask individually. Do you ever watch, do you ever DVR a sporting event and then go home and watch it? Rarely. Kevin. Very rarely. I start 40 minutes late on football all the time, on purpose. It uh, depends on the sporting event, but yes, I have. The only time I've ever gone Eagle back, football games all the time. Yeah, see, I I will if I already know the result, I don't need to watch the event. I would like to watch yeah. highlights, but with volleyball, because I've worked those events, I will watch it to hear myself, just to see like yeah. you, how I watch, can get back. I use it as a instructor yeah. tool for yeah. myself. Yeah. Yes, yeah. but I don't go back and go, oh, don't don't anybody tell me the score of this match no. or what happened. I'm going to go back and watch it. Like I would never watch the Super Bowl. DVR on Monday. Yes, exactly. But you, but you, but no, I, better I, watch I hide from agreed. The but that's my agreed. I'll watch TV that way. But sporting events because it's I, and real I, reality TV. Like who goes back and watches? To your that's point, why where like so highly I'm, I'm siding out on a Saturday afternoon when that match is live. Right. Am I going to go home and right. watch it on DVR? Or am I going to so playing at night would be way better than true Olympics. I did because it's the Olympics, but sure. I already knew. But that's what why happened. that's why sports have become so more highly valued as far as advertisers go because it is kind of the last bastion of things that people will watch live. Sure. Football, I deliberately wait 45 minutes because I want to skip all the commercials in the beginning, yeah. and it will catch you up right at the beginning of the fourth quarter is yeah. usually about where you end up live. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So, and they play fewer commercials in the game. Is but that's different. Right? You're not like out with the kids, and then you come home, and you're like, oh, kids, go outside and play while Dad watches e- the Eagles. Eagle game. football, hey, yes, I will do that. No, I he's, will doing do that Har- with... he's doing Harlem Shuffle with a mi- motorcycle helmet <laughs> on, working out. <laughs> I will do that with an Eagle football game, and I will, I will not answer my phone. And I will tell people, the first thing when I do answer my phone is I will say, do not tell me the score. I am not watching. Just I, to I note had to all you people out there that have Kevin's uh, cell phone number during yeah. football season. But this you, is what, That's what happened to me with the, the NFC Championship, by But the way. do you get caught up in the dual screen kind of experience where you're looking at Twitter and you're texting? Like, no. Uh, uh, my biggest, the biggest difficulty is if I'm watching it 45 minutes delayed, even if I don't take a phone call or if the phone rings or whatever, there's a text or there's a tweet or something that somebody said... Stay off social media. I yelled at people throughout the no. entire Olympics. Do not get mad at me for talking exactly. about what's happening online. Yeah. Get off social media. So right. I would rather just watch it live and be able to participate in all that stuff. I don't have the two-screen experience going usually. I, don't I, I watch the game and I hang out. and I, The, the two-screen experience is live in 3D. I've got two kids jumping on me yeah. in the middle of the game. That's, <laughs> they're they're reenacting the replays for you. Just, oh, Absolutely. he just clotheslined them and Reese just gets his hand taken off. <laughs> Yeah, the only time I think I'm I'm double screening is like during the uh, the playoffs for like the Mivas and the NBAs and the and the MPSFs. I've got two things going at once br- briefly because they're they don't overlap that much. But it's not the EVA, it's the EIVA. EIVA, the and EVA. I, and hey, you know he's in it. He should know what it is. I know what it is. whatever I know, he says. But it this is. is for Pav. Pav, don't make it pronounceable. I can't say Mufasif, <laughs> <laughs> but I can say EVA. <laughs> used to be the Weva, right? Uh, yeah, but Jay, I think it, it was the Weva. That's a good point. When it was the Weva, it, we called it the Weva. And, and that's such a stupid name, the Weeva. <laughs> it sounds like a Weeble Wobble or a, or a Weeble. Oh, oh, Weeble, Weeble, Weeble. Oh, Weeble. Oh, Weeble. <laughs> Meva, they're all I, the same. I think it goes back to your point, though. Internet is the wave, especially the sporting of TV future. If you can't afford to be on TV, and I don't know if I can take a stab at it, but I don't know if the AVP is paying to be on TV or if CBS is paying. There's no way CBS is paying. Just, I, just don't know, my, I don't know the answer to that question. You're going to get in trouble. I'm Let just me, saying, like... <laughs> Let me People have been say, mad at me the last couple of weeks. Jay Roche at VolaEntertainment.com. Yes, I threw that out before. <laughs> Nobody emailed me to. Suicide Doors as well. Yeah. Throw it out there. Yeah. I also don't know. I haven't seen the contract. But I can tell you from what I know the of the television business, they are paying. 
And if they're paying? not paying, they, maybe they're Peter paying to pay. If Another, they're not, I want to know how what they're doing differently <laughs> I just, I, than everybody did before. I don't necessarily know. I don't know. I don't look the part. Yeah, I'm not exactly know. thin. I'm not, <laughs> <laughs> not camera friendly. <laughs> I don't shower. <laughs> I don't bathe and wash. Yeah, um, <laughs> I don't use soap. One I'm thing, throwing out information that I don't know. One <laughs> thing about... I can mute all of you right about now. About the internet. By myself. No, about the internet. Like uh, around the horn. Yeah. You're muted. My <laughs> point. The <laughs> internet... One thing that the access gives you is to other countries, right? Like we can watch the FIVB going on in China. Thank here. God, Layola TV is finally showing FIVB. Though. I still can't get it. Like I, every hey. time I try, it's like, oh, we don't like you. So also, you BN, BN Sport, B-E-I-N, I don't like who, who I talked to a little yeah. bit, but they ended up doing it. They have been showing Italian league uh, Serie A. A1. I think they're out of Miami, aren't they? Yeah, they are. And, and I don't know who they got to do it, but they have uh, some people doing it. We should it. be doing a better job of posting stuff that is playing a lot of those matches. Because there's a lot of Americans over there. I'd love to watch the FIVB and Leola, unfortunately, said for years. But nobody does a good job of letting me know when that stuff happens. Exactly. So we've got to do this. But it crazy. still gets embargoed here. It still happens. You're going to run into the same problem because... For instance, when Universal Sports, like, I'm going to get in trouble. That's an SAT word. <laughs> when, when Universal Sports purchases the rights to Grand Prix, Grand Championships, whatever, right? I do some of those matches. Yeah. I want to watch previous matches that of are course. supposed to be on FIVB TV. Sure. But because the rights have been purchased in the United States, we can't see them. They may not. They cannot show them. Right. And I've said this to Universal Sports before. When I show up to work, I'm like, look, I wanted to watch the match that was China Russia before we're going to do USA Russia. But you guys don't let me do it because they don't air it, but they also don't let anybody else air it. Because when they buy it, they buy it as a package. These these folks need to let the rest of it out. If you're not going to use it, let it out. Yeah. yeah. Like with the U.S. matches, fine. Don't show those, but show the rest. Unfortunately, it's not just it volleyball. Adds to your story. It's not just volleyball, right? Like I remember last a couple months ago, uh, U.S. soccer trying to qualify for a World Cup. They're playing Honduras yeah. in Honduras, and so the Honduran whatever, whoever that commission is, owns the rights. And so it's not here. It's not on the normal channels. It would be on in the United States because of that, exactly what you just said. And it's not just volleyball, unfortunately. Yeah. By the way, it's yeah. Honduras. 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 Sandinistas? <laughs> the capital would be Tegucigalpa. Can I pay on that site, though, like to have my own rights? Like, yes, I want to no. see this. Can I pay you? No. no. Dang it. No. no. There's no pay-per-view On stuff. demand. Yeah, yeah so you, we're still going to run into that same problem because media yes, companies chairman. are trying to hang on to it. Chairman, I don't want to change the subject, but I was talking about paying. This weekend, I paid for all four tickets I went to semis and finals. You should have Personally to me. paid. But, but I was fine with paying because I like that. I had no issues paying. But there were so many people I spoke to that were like, no, I'm not going. I can't get free tickets. That. Yes, sucks. Especially like the tickets weren't expensive. <laughs> I didn't like break the bank to buy tickets. What well, was it, $34 for all sessions? Is, yeah. Is what, yeah. The t- and what the cost was. Well, you know what the reason Hey, is. volleyball people, it's not like you're living in a tent on campus. You've got 34 bucks. And, and, and then they are. complain like, oh, yeah. <laughs> nice callback to Niffin, by the and way. And then they complain like they can't, like, oh, the streaming is not good or this isn't good because nobody's giving money to it for them to do more. It drives yeah. me bananas. But if you yeah. do – And you, not like players are like, oh, I'm not going to camp. Like friends of mine who are volleyball fans, oh, I'm not going because I can't get a free ticket. It's but a he, cultural volleyball I was, problem. I almost smacked one of my friends. And there was there was years ago there was talk, and I was talking with Doug and Gordon and a couple other coaches, and they were they were saying that we when when the World League was coming back out here, they were doing places like Chicago, and they were doing Kansas, and they were doing all these other places where the immediate thought is, why would you go to these places? That's not where volleyball is a big haven. Does it, don't, the, yeah. The reality right. is, they've done tests on these things. L.A. is the worst town for yeah. volleyball because people will pay to get into 
to in Lincoln, Nebraska. Exactly, and because they don't get to see it every day like Lincoln, we do. Nebraska and there's nothing University, else to do. Exactly. But Nebraska University has sold out their Coliseum or whatever it was for how many years now? And they've just built a brand new facility that's almost twice the size, sold out again immediately. And it's unbelievable the fans that want to go out there. And I get it. And it's 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 sad, but it's true. Hey, even, to quote even big properties struggle <laughs> in those markets like in L.A. or Miami because there's too much to do. True, but they have to be in those more like well. Okay, I was Miami talking to Heat, my folks this week. Miami Heat don't sell out every single home game, which is ridiculous because everybody yeah. is doing the samba. Exactly. <laughs> well, and but Miami's the games are too one. early. Like we can't go out. The games at seven thirty at night. Now it's too early for me. Of I can't course, go out. of course. <laughs> you, I'm, that's siesta time. Getting ready for the evening. <laughs> no, the L.A. Fairweather fan, and, and and how many times have you seen it? The uh, celebrity camp. You know, in the midway through, you know, third quarter at a Laker game, they show up at the beginning of the second and they leave at the end of the third. You go to a Dodger game, they show up at the end of the third and they leave at the beginning of the sixth or seventh. That's what, and you know why? Traffic. Yeah, you yeah. have to. They don't. They don't want to sit in traffic, and it's awful driving around these places. Try getting out of these stadiums. Some of these uh, places. My goodness, that's one of the things I like about Sam Boyd Stadium in Vegas. There's about four ways out. You can get out of there in a hurry. They're also in the desert, so as soon as you get out of the parking lot, it's like yeah. free for all. Still in the middle yeah. of the desert. Yeah, just and see ya. Yeah. And I'm pointed somewhere there. I'm going that direction. What's the traffic like in Happy Valley? Uh, you know what? I'll tell you what. Uh, for football games, we, we average about 100,000 people yeah. a game. Ooh. And there's probably easily another 100,000 outside tailgating on top of that. So wow. you'd think this is going to be pretty crazy. I'm not lying to you. I can get in in 10 minutes, and I can get out in three and a half. Wow. It's awesome. crazy. And they, they've done a really nice job. There's Do about you have a helicopter. No, no, no. There's about there's about four or five entrances of main drives, and yeah. people all understand. Hey, I want to go this direction. There's a way to go for that, and they have really good traffic cops that kind of point in the right ways. And it's and regardless nice. how many students are walking to and from, but like you still have yeah, exactly there's eighty thousand and people driving. There's yeah, there's a there's a you know a dozen campus housing units close by, and, and mostly what's fun is. Starting about Wednesday evening, people start to show up in RVs and they park in the Walmart parking lots and the Sam's Club parking lots. And then I'll, I'll Thursday greet them night, there. Yeah. Walmart, I'll greet them. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Walk around. And hang out full circle. Pieces. That's called full circle. <laughs> and then Friday, or Thursday night or Friday, they go into the, to the grass parking lots and it's raging on the Oh, night. for sure. Oh, it's so much yeah. fun. But if you have not been part of a big-time athletic program, Dustin, you can attest this because SC – Game days for football in the fall are amazing. I know Pepperdine just doesn't have that. They don't. They don't really. We don't have a football team. We won in '47. They still have the banner. You won '47. No wins. joke. No, they have 1947. They had one football, team football championship. One year. Yeah, who'd you guys play? I have no idea. Pierce. Yeah. Well, of Chicago, the Ramblers. They were the Ramblers. Ramblers. They, they were rambling, rambling back then. Yeah. The yeah. hobos. They were the hobos at that point. <laughs> yeah. This yeah. is this is back when uh, Pepperdine was in Watts. That's where Pepperdine originally was. Shut up, Watts, That's California. The, the campus was in Watts. Are you until, until seventy-one, like near the tower, like near the towers. Slide upgrade. <laughs> Andrew Firestone gave him that land. That's a gift from the Firestone. Hence, Firestone family. Gymnasium, Firestone Fieldhouse. Yeah. Is that the same That's Firestone family that owns the tire business? I believe so. Yeah. yeah. There you go. The uh, of yeah. the of but the they, they took Pepperdine, Pepperdine Firestone took Pepperdine from Watts to Malibu. Good choice. Yeah. Well, decent upgrade. Solid. One of the best look, view campuses. In the country. No, easily. Yeah, I don't know that it's beatable. Uh, Santa I haven't, Cruz. I haven't been Hello. to all campuses, so I can't. I haven't been there. Again, oh. I can't speak to that. <laughs> Bar- I, mean, I don't Bar- look, the look the part. <laughs> yeah. You see Santa Cruz overlooking Half Moon Bay, my office window. I would bring recruits from the Midwest up there. And just put them there. And, and I just, we'd just stand outside and just look at the ocean view. It was spectacular. So okay. I'd be like, I'll be right back. And then you slide the uh, recruitment paper next yeah. to them and just... <laughs> 
just signed. We were D three. We were D three. We didn't have any scholarships, but it was a very nice campus and and, and beautiful look at different a different feel. But yeah, Pepperdine's pretty good and a slightly different view on legal drugs. Santa Barbara City College. Your football stadium is right on the water, if I'm not mistaken. Santa awesome. Barbara City College. Yeah. Oh yeah, their football stadium. You know what? That's right true. There. They do have an ocean view as well. But across they're they're the right across PCH, aren't they as well? Uh, I don't know, but there's there's beach courts. Only played there right once, there. I think. Yeah. 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 yeah, you and I are. So there's a couple other good ones. What time is it? Sunday. Oh, it is that time. Sunday's been listening. Oh, to run the music. My favorite guy. Once again, we're in association with the Association of Volleyball Coaches, the AVCA, to produce College Volleyball Weekly, and this is going to about do it for College Volleyball Weekly until we head oh. off into August when the women crank up again into the sunset. I'm into so the sunset. Sad. We've talked men all year, and we will get to the sand championship for those that have been bummed out that we have not talked about Collegiate Beach. We will get there, no doubt. But right now, it's all about the men, and we'll finish it up with a man that I saw this week, and I imagine others may have seen, and he definitely provided numbers. If you watch the national championship match, please welcome in UCLA's Mike Sonheimer. Hey, how are you guys doing? Hello. Great seeing Jay this week. Thank you very much. Great seeing you too, Sonny. Well, UCLA hosted this event, and we understand the attendance for the finals was fantastic. Uh, Over 6,000, a great crowd. Was UCLA pleased with the way the national championship came off? Yeah, Yeah, apparently it's like the biggest crowd crowd that a non-hosting school has had like in many, many, many years. Ever, I think. Yeah, in terms of a team not being in in the final group. Yeah. Right, no, you're, you're absolutely right, Sonny. That was uh, that was a well attended final event, and then and a very energetic crowd. It was fun to be a part of. Yeah, and it was yeah, it was a really an exciting match too. BYU had a chance to win all three sets, and UC Irvine ended up pulling it out and beating them. Yeah, of course, the last set was remarkable. Let's go back to the semifinals before we really recap the entire finals. And we went back to Loyola and uh, Penn State not having a chance, and it seems so. Those matches were over pretty quickly. No, Loyola actually played really well and had set points in set one against UC Irvine, which could have made that match, and Penn State had a chance in set three. Penn State also set a fertility record. I went back and looked at uh, at least the last 25 years. No team in the history of NCAA men's volleyball has ever gone through two sets without, with zero kills in the middle and zero blocks together. So wow. my suggestion for Penn State is whatever if they're in there in Loyola or Chicago, they run the middle on the first four or five plays of the match until at least one goes down, hopefully the first one. Did you have a wry smile on your face as you looked that stat up? <laughs> <laughs> I, I did, yes. Knowing that Jay was going to be in studio on Monday, I had to look that up. I, can't, I mean, it's just, I mean, even even in like youth volleyball, it's like you know, six year olds and five year olds, at least they get something out of the middle. <laughs> yeah, let me, let me, let me uh, just. They're running the high. Team. What was the? I mean, who was in charge of the setting and the game plan, Jay? Let me just, uh, let me just make <laughs> one statement. The gauntlet. We played on Thursday. You were done a week earlier. Oh. That's all I got to say. Oh, that's true. You yes, we went out in five, and five and ten state went out in three. That's okay. We were still playing. We were in front of the crowd. You were not, Sandy. All right. So it was competitive. <laughs> All right. We'll be, we'll be very happy to play next year in the semis for this whole for the whole battle. We'll see. <laughs> Yeah, it was a very good. No, I mean it was. I mean again, Penn State and Loyola Chicago, both those teams will have a shot at winning it next year. They basically return everybody intact. They they both played well. I mean BYU had to come up with some really nice plays to beat Penn State, or that match would be going. And Loyola Chicago I was very impressed for the first time being out here. They under under the really conditions. They and a freshman setter. You know, both teams acquitted themselves very well. And I mean, it's just really weird to see that the volleyball championships only went nine games in a year of parity. I mean, nine sets. It's just really surprising. Someone told me beforehand. We talked last week. 
hey, it's going to be 303030, and I said there's a 0% chance of that happening. I would have agreed with you on that. I it, I think when you look at Loyola, you know, their first time in in program history, if I'm not mistaken. I know at right. least Shane's been there, and I think they very easily could have been pretty pie-eyed and looked around the gym and saw all these people and, and saw the team across the net as the defending champions and probably went, yeah, you know what? Probably not ready for this. And they, they were up 20 – I forgot what the score was in the first game, but 21-17 or something. 21-17. And, and could have pulled that out. And I think if they would have pulled that game out, you're right. It might have been a little bit of a different story. But you look at Loyola and you look at Penn State and then you look at the rosters of BYU and of uh, of Irvine, there's a large disparity of class ages. And there's a lot of juniors and seniors on both of the teams that made it to the finals and a lot of freshmen and sophomores, especially in key positions for Penn State and for Loyola. And that both well for the future for both those programs for sure. Yeah, both – Volleyball in general and men's is going to be a much higher game next year because uh, there's a lot of you know times the games are so close this year because teams are going to real ruts and lack consistency. But all these teams should get better because it was so young this year. And I thought that the the level of volleyball was really good in Poly Pavilion on Thursday and Saturday, and the championship match you know was wonderful. I mean there was a ton of great rallies back and forth and some huge plays. And give UC Irvine David Niffen and his program credit. I mean they they were just the the best team when when things counted and deserved to win the title. Jay, is it more challenging when you lose a deuce set in that first or that second than, say, losing by five or losing by ten? Do you, you think it's harder to come back in that next set? I, I don't know if it's harder to come back. I know that it stings a little more. It's almost yeah. easier to get your lunch handed to you and kind of go, all right, we just you know, misfired. And Shake that's it really, off. Yeah, we, we, that game was not our game. Let's go back. And the beauty of the game is it's 0-0 starting at the next one. So I think that's for sure true. Um but as far as is regrouping, I think that's more motivation, to be honest with you. You're kind of like, dang, we gotta we got to be crisper and cleaner on some of those plays that we had opportunities on. And I think Sandy's right. I think I think the ability of the middles uh, to in transition, if we can get some clean digs and, and get some balls that are maybe in, a, in an area where the setter can run the middle more often, hold that guy yeah. a little bit more and then let the pin hitters be a little bit more one-on-one, I think that's a huge difference between you know BYU, Irvine, and then Penn State and Loyola. I think that was a, a, a huge difference. Yeah, I mean, the team with the best middle finished first, the second best middle finished second, and then their two teams lost in the semis. And, and really, that's what it comes down to. It comes down to consistency. And, and give UC Irvine credit. I mean, both their middles, you know, Mary and Kikorian, they played absolutely, you know, Kevorkian, they, they played just outstanding. They were great. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. You know, you, that you was the difference. About, about good volleyball next year. Let's talk about the team that was the hottest team towards the end of the year, and that's Ball State. Um, I thought. You, see, you mean UCLA? Uh yeah I'm I'm mean, <laughs> and uh, you know Joe Walton uh, that no he did a great job he did a great job at Ball State I mean they, I mean again the Midwest is so much stronger too I mean Lewis would have been a really good representative out here I mean you just have to look at next year it's going to be at Loyola Chicago if they get there they're going to sell out that place with five thousand people. And it's going to be fun, and Ball State's going to be competitive next year. Lewis has got the, their main cars coming back. Their two All-Americans are coming back. And, you know, even the East, Harvard and Princeton should be better. I mean, I think the whole volleyball across the country is getting better. And if somehow the NCAA, I think they're going to be stuck with the five-team playoff. But if they can get to the six-team playoff, things can be really good for the future there, of volleyball. There seems to be a movement going on right now, and, and it's more out of frustration, I think, than anything else because, you know, the, the, the usual statements of, oh, Penn State always gets in and, and you know, all, all we do is do our job. We, we win our conference, we get in. But there seems to be some real growing frustration, especially with the Conference Carolinas, because now you're getting to a point where, you know, they want to possibly take away the AQ from one conference, whatever conference it is. It's either us or MIBA. I don't think the, the, the lower, lower ranked the team. The lower ranked right. team, right. And then 
and you look at the Conference Carolinas, and when they were sold this bill of goods a few years ago, they said, give us until 2014, you're going to get your AQ to get in. And now you're trying to tell them, hey, hang on a few more years because your AQ isn't quite there yet. You still have a playoff game to get in. Now, I don't know if the Conference Carolinas is upset about that. I've not talked to any of those coaches. But if, if I'm the AD and I'm spending all this money, and I'm expecting to get some national exposure within a certain time frame, and all of a sudden the NCAA tells me, yeah, a few more years, hang on. I'm not going to be so happy. I think there's going to be some ruffled feathers there. What do you think, Sandy? Yeah, I mean, I, I talk to people there. I just think the NCAA needs to go to at least six teams. I mean, we're probably not going to get eight, but even if it was a three-night event you know, with six teams and the two best teams get, <clears throat> get a first-night bye and you play that way, I think you can still draw. I think it's competitive, and all six teams deserve to be there. Hey, the uh, NCAA uh, positive balance or profit this last year, the I forget the word I'm looking for here, but the extra money that they did not expect in their budget was $70 million. Surplus. So, surplus, surplus, thank you. The surplus was $70 million this past year. Something tells me they could put eight teams in the men's tournament. Yeah, there might be a few tacos extra. <laughs> That's a few tacos extra. All right, hey, yeah. guys. Well, hopefully uh, they have to do something. Well, there's a little bit of momentum there, and I, I brought it up, and the guy addressed it, right. uh, the, the commissioner there. I mean, <laughs> I hadn't planned on saying anything at the very beginning, but I did. It ought to be six or eight teams. I mean, it should. I it think should. six is the is like the the patch. Eight is okay. This is a legitimate championship. If the MPSF splits, and and very well could in the next year or two, because there are just it's a gluttony of good teams. And granted, it's too many teams. Nobody disputes that the MPSF is is the number one conference in the country, top to bottom. But uh, that being said, you've got you know thirteen teams vying for one, most likely two spots. It, it needs to be expanded. So break up that pro, that conference into two separate conferences. The conference Carolinas all of a sudden become relevant, and now all of a sudden there's still the one at large. But you've got five conferences with one at large. It's a pretty good pretty good uh, scenario, if you ask me. Yeah, all right, I mean, those are all very possible. Give yeah. me your uh, your preseason number ones for the Miva, the Eva, the Move, and the Carolinas, <laughs> if you can. Sandy, go for I don't know, I like Pfeiffer in the Carolinas. Let's see. Penn State, Loyola of Chicago, UCLA. UCLA is going to be in there every year, have a chance from now on. Ooh, from now on. Should we get upset that the UCLA gets their bid to the Final Four every year from now on, too? Should we get that? No, I think, it should, I think UCLA and Penn State can be automatics and let the other, other conferences and other people play for the other two spots. <laughs> I think that's fine with me. No, I mean, the, the conference is so balanced. I mean, Stanford's going to be really good in the West next year. I think Irvine... If they can find, if Stork can set well enough, I mean they lose Tilly, but they've got everybody else back, and they did, and Niffin's did a real nice job there. You know BYU, the biggest problem is going to be Patch, and the reason they probably lost the finals is they stopped setting Patch after the first set and a half. I mean he's the best freshman in the country, and ended up I think with like four or five sets in the last two sets of the match. But they're going to be good again also, so you have to look at them. And you know Long Beach has got Albright and Crab, they're all Americans coming back. So I just like I think the MPSF is going to be you know loaded Santa Barbara and lose just Davis. Yeah, I, I, there'll be some freshmen who make impacts, and, undoubtedly. And guys how, who don't, not on our radar. Right how now. bad is yeah. your program when uh, when your depth chart says, "Oh, we don't have Kim until anymore," but we've got Jeremy Dano and Connor Hughes, so we'll just exactly. insert one of those. Yeah, guys. I mean the, the the MVP of the most outstanding player of the tournament didn't start, and then when the tournament's yeah. first match, he had to come off the bench. Yeah, that's which is pretty pretty exciting. That's a testament to recruiting and, and, and good on Nip and Sprawford. Yeah, and the person who recruited most of those people was John Sparrow, who's now recruiting the best at UCLA. So I just feel like, you know, I mean, being here, but I just think that UCLA is going to be a contender every year now because um, with Coach Sparrow here, I think that UCLA is going to be, you know, right there with everybody else. 
I think you should have to drink each time Sandy plugs UCLA. Mm-hmm. I think so. Or see a rough segment of the show or for you. Spiral, All right, yeah. Jay. All right, here's my call. Uh, out of the conference, Carolinas, I think five physics joints. I'm going to say Mount Olive as well. Uh, they had a good year, and it was those two in the finals. And Mount Olive came in to see us this earlier in the year. They're not a bad team. They had some issues, uh, I think, earlier on in the year, but they kind of straightened those out. So those are my two choices there. In the EIBA, obviously I like our chance, but I'll tell you what, you're right, Sonny. Harvard and Princeton, they got some really nice recruits coming in. DJ White's brother from right. Miracosta is coming in. Um, they got a kid at Princeton named Oboe, and I'm not, I, I will blow his first name here because it's really tough, but this kid is a real nice middle blocker out in the New Jersey area. He's going to do some really nice uh, filling of, of the gap when Michael Dye leaves. Sam Schweisky and Brian Blaze doing real nice jobs out there. So those two teams are teams that I expect to see uh, somewhere down the line in the IBA finals. Um, in the MIVA, I think it's a no-brainer that Loyola is the favorite at the moment. Don't count out Lewis. Don't count out Ohio State for obvious reasons. Ball State. I think is the one team that next year could surprise a few more people. I also think Grand Canyon did a nice job this year, and they beat yeah, Grand Canyon up and coming. Right, and their and their university uh, is really funding their programs well, and I would not be surprised to see them kind of come up through the mix. In the MPSF, I think you're right. I think UCLA is going to become uh, not necessarily the UCLA of old, but I think they're going to be a, a force to be reckoned with. I think Irvine's going to be in the hunt. I think Stanford is probably the dark horse in this in this conference, meaning that you know probably going to be the number four seed coming up through the ranks. Long Beach, I, you know, I, they surprised me this year, but uh, I think next year, uh, I think they're going to be also pretty darn good. And don't count out Northridge. I, I think Cal Baptist is going to rebuild. You lose Levi Cabral. I think that's a big loss for them. Uh, but Northridge, I wouldn't be surprised to see Northridge somewhere in the hunt later on, too. Levy. Levy Cabral. Kid is pretty darn good. He'll be making a lot of money next year. I mean, I think, like I said in the beginning, I think volleyball in the men's game is going to just be really exciting next year, and there's going to be some wonderful matches. I mean, I think the East is going to beat some West teams, the Midwest is going to beat some West teams next year during the regular season, and it's going to be a lot of fun to see, you know, who ends up. And when they get to the when they get to Loyola Chicago, I think all four teams will have a shot at winning it. I really I do. Think, I think on most years, you know, we would say it'd be great if MPSF teams in mass came out towards the Midwest and the East Coast. I think you're going to see a large number of them go out at least to Chicago this year because they're going to want to get a little bit of a heads up of what it's like out there in that gym. But uh, I'd like to see some more crossover, Sonny, and I'm sure you would agree. It's good for volleyball in general. It's nice when the teams from out east come out west for obvious reasons. You've got a lot of kids that came from the west coast that went out there to play. But it'd be nice to see more teams on a yearly basis come out to the east coast uh, and, and, and try your hand at all that travel all the time and see how they do. Yeah, I mean, I would like to see Loyola Chicago, because they host the NCAAs, do a couple of these tournaments, or maybe they bring Penn State there and a team from the West, you know, and you play against the, and maybe Lewis and Loyola, like, back-to-back nights and that kind of thing, to, like, a NCAA preview. A lot of, a lot of yep. sports have preview championships of events. I think it would be great to do. Yeah, I would agree. Gentlemen, we have appreciated all the information you've given us all year long on the ABCA College of Volleyball Weekly, and it's been a lot of fun. We will take a little break from this segment uh, up until about August. Ha! <laughs> I and we, and we got to start talk about Long Beach State winning the sand volleyball championship. We can talk the about beach that later. Championships. <laughs> yes, we will be talking about the beach championships. <laughs> I got up pulled up this week. Hey and Jay, really it's been a pleasure. I'm so glad you got to come out here, and uh, hopefully our paths will cross before um, next fall. Absolutely, Sandy. Always a pleasure to work with you, my friend. All right, Thank Mike, you, Mr. Barnett and Steph. UCLA. Thanks very much, dude. Appreciate it. Bye bye. Checking out Jay Hosick staying here. Absolutely.
the end of ABCA College Football of the Week. At least, the, at least the formal portion of it, because we should talk about the women and, yeah. and what's been going on with the beach side of things. It has been, uh, I, I don't know, This is to me this is still a developmental deal. Because you had 15 teams last year. This year you had 30 teams. But it, it's is that, did it double? You kind of have some. It did double. That's the, I was wondering what the actual numbers were. It went from 15 to 30, and it has to be over 40. Is that? Yeah, it'll in five years, and this is two years. I mean, they're at 30. And it has to years. stay at 40 for two years to be a, an official sport or something, something like that. Like that. Are they it, linking? It's going to crush all that. It's the fastest growing sport ever. Are they linking D1 and D2 together in these championships? I don't know. <laughs> Next? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the funny Next thing topic. is, no, I don't even is, know who to ask. This is kind of yeah, and this is kind of my point about what's been going on. And somebody was asking us about our coverage of this. This is still an evolving beast. Yep. The way they play tournaments, the flights, and the matchups, and the whole thing, and and the amount of teams they have playing. This is still a very evolving situation, and not really an established thing. I don't I don't think folks know a ton about it. The finals held in Gulf Shores, Alabama last year and this year, I think, have been great events. A wonderful vacation destination, by the way. Yeah, a fun place to go. Has anybody been there to the actual location where this was held? No. Okay. Uh, the guys who do the television production have, they said it's a blast. Okay, cool. Yeah. The, the beaches out in that area, though, are, are nice. I've, I've been around there. I've not been to that spot, but it, it's, it's like nice white stuff. sand. Yeah, it's pretty. Yeah, it's really pretty. Have, and it's like Restaurant Row along there. It's not a lot of surfing going on, though. No, not a lot of surfing. Not a big surf culture. But, uh, but, Worth noting here on the show, and you will see it on uh, CBS Sports Network, that Long Beach State won the team championship. They were victorious, uh, I believe, over Pepperdine. Head coach? Who won? Misty May. Misty May. That's pretty nice. And that's one of the other things I I want to say about these beach programs. They're still quasi-indoor. Yes. Both player and coach-wise. Yep. Like Scott Wong, coach of Hawaii. Usually, more often than not, the head coach of the beach program is like an assistant with the women's. It's evolved that way, although Brian Gimolero, head coach of Long Beach right. Beach last year. Right, exactly. And they brought on Misty just recently. Right, it's, it's definitely I mean, it's evolving. Like she's brand new. Yeah. You know, it's not like Misty's been there the whole right. year. Yeah, and I wouldn't even listen to her. What did she know? <laughs> running the whole she's thing. A hack. Yeah. <laughs> Pepperdine, still run by the indoor Nina. staff. Yeah. Is it so. Jensen or is it Matthews? No, no. Is it? Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, they're all involved. Yeah. Yeah. If there's, I, mean, I was part of a conference call for the ABC a while back. I'm in one of the committees, and, and John Cook was mentioning about how uh, – and, and I, and I say – the, Who's the sand there? You know what? I don't know if he's the sand coach or not, but what I do know – is that they are being creative in how they're structuring the practices because obviously there's there's NCAA limitations and the amount of hours that you can play in your on and off your traditional non traditional seasons, and the way that they structured it makes it uh, easier for them to get the 20 hours for longer periods of time and it, and every coach is doing it. it's not just Nebraska doing it it's just the way to get around the whole uh, parameters of it all but you know as that as that sport evolves. Um, I think you're going to see some teams use it as a separate team. I think you're going to see some teams use it as an addendum to their indoor program. I, I, I think you're going to see some teams use it as a recruiting advantage with their facilities. Um, and I think that's the beauty of that situation is it's not going to be standard across the board. This is our SAN program. It's going to be different for different schools. And maybe that's a recruiting advantage. Maybe it's not. Who knows? But I think I think your big time players are still going to go to the big time schools for the indoor first, 
Um, on the whole, I, I think there's obviously going to be a few here and there. I think you mentioned uh, Summer Ross leaving Washington to go to Pepperdine. She wants to play beach only. There's a girl from from this area or left Pepperdine. Yeah, yeah. So there, I think there's going to be those players that do that. But when you look at schools like uh, Lipscomb, or you look at schools like Coastal Carolina, or smaller mid-major programs where they have a sand program as well that's run in addition to. I think you're going to get some some nice players to come out of that area that are going to want to play both, and that's that's going to again separate the haves from the have-nots. Do you think it's beneficial to a uh, to a program to a coaching staff, either, I guess on the indoor side, to be open and say you can come here and you can play both, as opposed to putting your foot down and saying, look, we have both programs, they're both great, but if you come to our school. I want you to make a choice. Yeah, I think SC is making players make choices. Yeah, right? I think, yeah, I think I think it depends on the head coach. I think you're right, Kevin. Uh, and and granted, I don't. I'm not talking to anybody at USC about it, but I think there are some that are saying it's either or. Mm-hmm. I think there are a lot of coaches that see the benefit in having a same program where, if you're getting, I think it's eight weeks from your graduation days or your season that you can train in, and. You're seeing a lot of coaches that are saying, you know what, these girls are getting beat up indoors, their knees are, are paying the price, their shoulders are paying the price. It's a chance for them to recharge physically. It's a chance for them to recharge mentally, play a different game, but you're also obviously expanding the ball control factor. You're expanding the, the um, ability to read the game from a different level, which Sprague talked about why he brought Furbringer yeah. in, because he sees the game at a different level. That's huge, and I think, I think you're going to see the women's game benefit greatly from it. I think there's going to be a higher level of volleyball, especially with teams that have a sand element to their program because of the fact that they now have to learn how to do things uh, with just two kids on the on the side. I think it's going to be good. I hope it is, at least. Yeah, it's really cool. Some of the, the schools that I see that, that come up with beach programs, it's the Georgia States and the yeah. Louisiana Monroe's and all, all these schools that, you know, it's great, I think. Yeah. And I'm seeing more of the the girls that have – either put in their eligibility indoor or maybe three years and are now making the change and transfer and go to one of these smaller schools to, to try to get that beach thing going. Sure, and and there's a men's team. I think Grand Canyon has a men's beach program. I'm not sure how viable it is. I don't know if they're playing any matches anywhere, but they have it there, and they've talked about it. And, and We have I, a net live beach team, too. We don't play any matches anywhere. <laughs> we have a team. Which is also sad in its own right. Every time I come out here, I try to get you guys to go, and nobody wants to. But uh, no, well, you I, bring the weather with you, too. So. I, it's yeah, it's, it's awesome. getting sunny now. <laughs> uh, you know, we're, we're talking beach programs. But um, they, they didn't like the music and blamed the music for the Clippers' playoff loss. So DJ oh, Roche was actually it hobbled. It happens. They actually wow. brought out the uh, the block of wood and got the sledgehammer. <laughs> the block of wood. <laughs> he, but, I think he just got removed off the travel list to the next Vegas party, correct? Apparently, yeah. yeah I got more, that. No I more invites for you, Kim. The transfer is even happening at the big, big, bigger schools, though, excuse me, because the national championship pair that you have right there, Kevin, Kirby and Stevie, from USC. Kirby Burnham and Stevie Robinson, Stevie national went, champions. Stevie was libero at Pepperdine for nine and, and Tim for three or four years and then just transferred in and now won a national championship on the beach. So, yep. I mean, it's happening all over. I don't know. I don't know if that's good, bad, indifferent, what, but it, there's a lot of movement, which it's, is interesting. Congratulations to Kirby Burnham and Stevie Robinson. They defeated Caitlin Ledoux and Tara Renicky from Long Beach State. Tara Renicky and Caitlin Ledoux losing for the second time. Tara Renicky related to Ron Renicky, baseball coach? Yes. Manager, Very athletic family. Manager of Brewers, maybe? 
Anyway, Brewers. Used to be on the Angels. I think, I think Uncle. She has no, a kid. Uncle? She should name him Benicky. Benicky Renicky. Benicky Renicky. Nice. That's you're like. You're going to be Julia Gulia? That's like. <laughs> we had, Why? When we had April on, remember, she said that they're going to name their kid Ross Keenan. Ross Keenan. <laughs> <Nice. laughs> Ross Keenan. That'd be awesome. <laughs> but the uh, the team championship going to Long Beach State after they had lost to Pepperdine three times during the regular season. Wow. However, Pepperdine suffering a lot of problems at this event. Kim Hill for Pepperdine declared ineligible just before the event, declared ineligible on Tuesday. Any reason why? I was hearing that she needed to pass six units to remain a full-time student. She only passed five. One of these folks who's finishing out school and has fewer classes. Well, yep. Kim Hill's a 3-5 student is what I hear, and she somehow had a case of senioritis that got pretty bad and was not hospitalized or treated for it and then failed a unit. Not hard to do, though, when you live in Malibu. Additionally, Jasmine Orozco for Pepperdine suffered a concussion, someone said, from a ball. Wow. Uh, hit in the face, so uh, that was another problem for the Pepperdine Waves, but wow. congratulations wow. to Long Beach State on their team victory. Yeah, that's nice. Good for them. Are they, now, some of those teams, Dustin, you're, you're a USC guy. Yes. Some of those teams, are they starting to take advantage of the extra scholarships being given to them? I know that they're only allowing two per year for the next three years, so that they have six maximum. Is that uh, something that's going on up there at the Trojan Land? In terms of the beach team or the the beach team? Yeah, well, definitely because I've seen like uh, was last year the first year and Gina Urango, who had graduated from her indoor experience was given the first scholarship. So they're getting extra years on top of their indoor. Well, you have five to play four, right? right? So you can get that extra semester or whatever to right. to play a different sport. Wow. Right. Wow. You, can, yeah. you can always play another sport. Yeah. Sure. No, no, that's true. I, yeah, I it's, seen as, it's seen as a different sport. So same as if, uh, you know, I, I know I you remember like, I remember like or... Greg Paulus who was the point guard at Duke and then one played quarterback at Syracuse or something like that. Right. right, you can, right. It's the same, same idea, I guess. Right. But um, I think if you're not using that, you're probably behind the eight ball. I would absolutely agree if you're not using it. It's just, it's very strange to me that uh, it's still volleyball. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's, you know, good for them for getting around the rules. I, mean, I guess there's nothing else quite like that. No. Two. Where you can play the same sport? It's can you uh, indoor same. track and outdoor track? No, uh, same. Sport. Is it same? Same team, I think. I don't think is it's it? different. Teams. Tennis, table tennis. Is That'd there, be amazing. Another NCAA table <laughs> tennis team. That'd be amazing. Yeah, they have six scholarships on the women's side. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it! <laughs> That's classic. Oh Absolutely classic. Oh, World League roster just out. That's what so. I said. We said that earlier. Welcome, to the, Welcome to the show, bro. <laughs> uh, I, since we're on beach, I want to. Uh, congratulate the U.S. men's teams and women, but the, the two men's teams that were victorious in China. Did we find out, by the way, if it was Patterson that I saw on Saturday night or not? Let me uh, let me. Find I am telling you right now, the I saw first, him there. The first one was in, how do you say it, Fuzhou? Sure. China? Fubu? Sure. And I believe that uh, the... Is that where that clothing comes from? Uh, <laughs> for us, by us. No, that's that's Damon from Shark Tank. Then, uh, I did watch it, and I watched yeah. Shark Tank the other night. They were killing some. And Rosie people. and Phil, victorious in the first tournament they didn't of the year. like the guy. <laughs> Speaking of, of TV shows, have you watched? Squash? I know you're trying to do volleyball. <laughs> I'm trying, man. I know. I'm trying. I didn't know we were talking about tie-dye. <laughs> uh, Rosie and Phil, uh, pretty darn good duo, by the way. Yeah. They're not bad. They won in, in Fuji, and I heard that they didn't even play their best. They could... The, they looked off a little at times, but they still dominated. Wait, we're back a week. We're back a week. Okay. Are and they are they going to be just as boring to watch because they're going no. to make everybody? No. no. But the the question will be, 
Does Rosie influence Phil, or does Phil influence Rosie? So do, we, do we take 20% off of Rosie, or do we add 20% to Phil? Which would be better? Well, the question is who's going to fire up whom, because those are two of the... Well, that's what I mean. Are we going to fire up Phil, or are we going to fire down Rosie? But Rosie, as a, as a player, Rosie doesn't... If you watch him on the court, yeah, he, he does some insane things, and the crowd gets fired up, but as a player, Rosie isn't Casey Jennings. He's, he's not running around the court high-fiving people. He's very... Stoic and internal. By the way, just want to give kudos on the USC education for using the correct uh, words. Whom? Who and who. Yeah. yeah. That was nice. There well go. done. Uh, I got a degree. Hire this kid. Somebody hire this kid. Is that on the uh, yeah, application? If only to proof papers. Yeah. <laughs> after Rosie smashed that dude in the face, he just kind of turned around and was walking back to serve as opposed to giving him like the suck it sign. As I just smashed Which is a little better when you give the second sign, yeah. by the way. So, because by the way, that over. guy didn't know the ball hit him in the face until it hit him in the face. Was that in the tournament? <laughs> he was. He didn't know. His hand, he had no idea the ball was coming at his face until it smashed off his. Was he wasn't sure what country won? he was in. He wasn't sure <laughs> that he was on a volleyball. It was court. unbelievable. Yeah, that's that's scary when you don't know that the ball. Yeah. I remember. Here's a, a short story. So I, back when I'm, I'm working with the national team and they're training, getting ready for a wait, I had to step in and play right back for a couple of points here and there, just because they were short a guy. Tom Hoff went up and hit a ball, and I'm in the right back position. He hit it, and it literally flew an inch away from my head, past me. Don't even care if it was in or out. And I sat there, and I thought for a second. And as I stood up, I went, I didn't even know that that ball was past me before it was past me. (laughs) And I'm thinking, that that could have been a bad thing. It could have been really ugly that day. So it's scary. Getting six-pack is not fun. No, not cool. Have um, you ever been six-pack, Jeremy? I have not, actually. Ah, all right. Really? I, I tend to keep my hands. Kevin got six-pack by one of the banana slugs when we played him back in the day. I couldn't remember that. Did, it did? It did? <laughs> the ones, I have the ones I remember. dug the ball off my hands into my face. Nice. Yeah, I've done That's that. well done. Yeah. I've seen that a few times. The self-six-pack. Yeah. <laughs> so no one has six-packed you outside no, of No, glasses come self, off, but like, I hadn't got my hands there fast enough, and ding, ding, bam, off my face. <laughs> not a hard-driven ball to the face. Off of my hands. Hard driven balls to the face. Uh, I think Probably. I said on the Can't show be before. Worst one I, I've taken. One that sticks with me is Mike Lambert in practice one day. He hit one that went upwards. So oh. he just backspatched it. I was in the, uh. the right back. He hit it from the right side, and it just went whoop and right into the face. That like hurt. a trackball. That hurt really bad. Yeah, trackball. <laughs> Great game, by the way. <laughs> were your eyes tearing up and you were shaking your head yes, like trying to stop it? You know, I did not touch it. Like, uh, yeah, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm I, may have fine. Threatened, <laughs> I, may have, I may have threatened to choke Mike out. I don't remember. Because <laughs> he, he did it on purpose. <laughs> he did it on purpose. He had a yeah. spatch on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is Lambo nowadays. Is he still playing? We've played that game before. Um, He's in Southern California ago. somewhere. Yeah, he yeah. sells medical devices. He works for Striker or something. or One of those guys. No, Phil works for Striker. He works for maybe Smith and Nephew or something. Gotcha. Also, the second tournament, Grand Slam in Shanghai. Yeah, back to volleyball, huh? Yeah. Okay. All right. Thanks, Dustin. I can give them, and you and I can Gibb talk. and Patterson. <laughs> Gibb and Patterson, obviously a new partnership this year, and dominating on the Grand Slam, the first of like 10, I think, Grand Slams on the FIVB. They played seven matches. I'm looking at it right now. Five of them went three. Wow. Wow. Five. Did that say something about them or about the competition? I mean, some close matches, I guess. It's close. I, I, every match you're going to play internationally is going to be pretty yeah. legit. Yeah. Um, the finals, they played Brazilians number. They're ranked three in this tournament. They yeah. won 21-16, lost 9-21, Whoa. and then won 15-9. Was somebody in the bathroom in that one? They said, yeah, I heard. <laughs> what I read and what I've heard is that it was just an absolute blocking. Yeah. Wow. Just whoever blocked the most. It was a little windy, so... 
Um, apparently, Jake served really well. Jake and Casey served really well, and Jake just put a roof on people and, and set number three. How many missed serves did the other team have? I mean, nine points. It's not saying a lot. So yeah, just three serves. It's yeah, it's even worse. Wow. That's exciting though that both on the men's side, both yeah. teams won. Yeah, you know, we not not unlike what we saw about a year ago when we saw Furbringer and uh, yeah, and those guys pick up a win as well as Rogers. Yeah, but we weren't sure. I don't think. Center. I mean, Jeremy mentioned Jake and Casey probably have a lot of success this year and probably have some disappointment too. I think I don't think they're going to be very consistent. That's if, my opinion. If they have a lot of success this year, definitely Jake Gibbs loses his partner. Why? I think so. If Why? they have success, you think Jake Gibbs could lose Casey? You think somebody else? I'm just betting on the patterns. Who would pick him if up? If Jake Gibbs has a great year, then he loses his partner. Oh, yep. oh yeah, because yeah. So wait, Jake, wait, wait, Jake needs a, Jake his whole after winning MVP, he lost Stein Metzger. Played with Stein, lost was the MVP, lost his partner. That's <laughs> that's who Taylor Crab gets picked up by. Stein? No. Uh, <laughs> Jake, Jake Gibbs. Jake Gibbs picks up Taylor Crab, takes him under his wing. That's the team that you would go watch. I would watch them wholeheartedly. Interesting. Why would you do that after Casey Patterson, who is now six foot five, two hundred and seventy-five pounds? Yeah, the one who he gets he gets bigger and bigger every single week. We talk. You're about the it. one who told me they were going to split up. So I'm just saying, hey, that's who I'd pick up. I'm just I'm, bet, I'm just betting the pattern, man. I'm just looking at history as a guide to the future. And Taylor Crabb should become the next Dana Camacho. Nice. Please don't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, don't start smoking grits and get Dana a whole Camacho. Band and, yeah. Uh, but Jake. Jake. Work uh, on your punts. Phil and Rosie. By the way, that's ninth. adding to the drink game. If you mention a Dana Camacho. Yeah, he started drinking. Yeah. He's already drinking. Ninth? <laughs> uh, yeah, Rosie and Phil finished ninth this tournament. How'd the women do? The women? I know I that they were not there a moment ago. They were not on the podium in either, uh, in either tournament. Jen and April finished, I believe, ninth in Shanghai. And I'm fifth? I'm going to tell you right now. And fifth in uh, Shanghai. Sure. Shanghai. Great radio. Oh, I just had it. We're, oh, yes, they finished ninth. Jen April finished ninth, and the next women's team, Nicole and Lauren Fendrick, were 17th, and so was Fop Masuet. Hmm. Fop Masuet. Mm-hmm. Yep. And Hochaver Ross are there too, right? Hochaver is – I don't know how old she no, is, but that girl uh, is Emily absolutely Day. incredible. She is – Emily Day. Her oh, longevity is, is unreal. She comes from another very athletic family very here athletic. in Colorado. Yep. Baseball players. Yep. Uh, and you can read Ryan Doherty's blog about his experience in China. Apparently, it was not very good. <laughs> Regardless, shocking. Minus he has the, vo- the minus the volleyball. He did not have a good experience. He has a great China. he has a great blog. Very good friend of the show, Ryan Doherty. <laughs> has a great former, his, former very good friend. His of the blog show. is really funny. I highly recommend it. What's it? What's the name of it? Ryan is it Ryan Doherty or Ryan Dash Doherty? Ryan Dash Doherty dot com. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Let, let's make this. I want to make this point very clear. And and I we may have made it last week, but. Our discussion two weeks ago on the show about the sport of beach volleyball is a discussion of facts and actual reality facing the sport based on the history of the sport and the current condition of the sport. And I did give my opinion on what I thought would happen, so I gave my opinion, but based on facts. If you did not listen carefully or if you stopped listening because you got very upset and all of a sudden the blood rushed to your head and your eyes didn't work anymore and your ears were plugged up and you were so enraged – by what was said on this show about the death rows uh, the, and the cemetery that US, or that volleyball on the beach side was headed to, you didn't hear what we said. Facts and discussion of facts is different than our feelings and desires for the sport. We would like to see the sport succeed. Discussing the facts, current conditions, and stuff that's already happened and the negativity surrounding that, because believe me, there's been not much that's been very good for three years, folks. 
that's different than our opinion. And that's so part. if you think we hate beach volleyball, I don't think you've been listening very carefully. No, I hurt myself last week playing beach volleyball. I love it. I could have sworn that the uh, the listenership in the summertime is actually pretty high because of the fact that you talk beach volleyball every week. So I'm, I'm, I'm And we'll continue to talk yeah. beach volleyball. I'm surprised by that. All right. Uh, I want to move away from beach volleyball unless we had more <laughs> Love it. Exhaust. Moving on. <laughs> I Nailed it. it. I love beach volleyball. I love beach volleyball. I just want to put it out there. I do, too. I wish we could play today. We should go play right now after this. Ma- after this it was trip. raining and hard pack. It is not raining. And I can't move. It will you, be hard oh, that's right. You're, you're injured. I forgot. You're, you're a little bit of an invalid right now. All right. Unfortunately, little fat Jeremy. World League roster out, but we didn't go through the World League roster. No, we didn't go through the World League roster, although I did see a couple uh, guys from Hawaii on there. Notable absences in the World League roster. We'll get to it in a second. Uh, Let's go through it first of all. Matt Anderson, no surprise there, outside hitter. He will be on there. Jeff Menzel on there from Santa Santa Barbara. Barbara. Interested to see what uh, caveman outside hitter can do. We'll see. He's actually, he was playing opposite the other day when I saw him. And yeah, he may be an opposite guy. Still touching about 14-3. And that guy can jump. Evan Paddock. Santa Barbara. Barbara. So Paddock's still there. They just started practicing this, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. David, because the championships are wrapping up, congratulations, Scott Tazinski on a German championship once again. Nicely done. David Lee in there. Rich Lamborn, of course, big-time veterans. Uh, Olympian Paul Lottman. It's kind of a fun thing to say, Olympian Paul Lottman. Yep. Uh, could we Why did you say Olympian Rich Lamborn? Well, we could say gold medalist Rich Lamborn, well, gold you, medalist but, David Lee. But you did have guns, but you Rich did Lamborn. Whatever. <laughs> Sleeveless David Lee. <laughs> <laughs> Kavika Shoji in there. Nice. Uh, Kyle Caldwell. You uh, yeah, yeah. So, setter. Murphy Troy. Tony Ciarelli. We'll be interested to see what he can do at the outside hitter position. We'll see. Brian Thornton still on there. Russell Holmes. Of course, like what Russell Holmes has done. Olympian Russell Holmes. Yep. Matt Rawson. Out yep. of Hawaii, there's a Hawaii guy. Ryan Ammerman back in the USA gym. Ryan guy who has been playing professionally for a number of years. Sporting a really nice faux hawk, by the way. Carson Clark, opposite. Yep. Back in there. Uh, Jason Jablonski, Carson still Clark. hanging around. Wow. Carson Clark had the lowest V-neck shirt on I have ever seen. Good call. At the at, on Saturday, Thursday night at the semis. Good call. Maybe it's just because he's taller, <laughs> and so the V had to come further down. I don't know, but it was... Was super, it, it was Super V. Was it like a J-Lo dress? It, almost. Oh, wow. Even better navel? reference right there. There was some uh, naval cleavage poking out. <laughs> <laughs> you could see his belt top. <laughs> Note to Carson Clark. <laughs> Keep V-neck above belt. <laughs> All right. Jason Jablonski still hanging around the gym. Max Holt. Garrett, I have no idea how to say your last name. but Mwagatudia. Mwagatudia. Alfie Reft, who uh, there have been some discussions about him and his continued role there at Libero. Great kid. David Smith, who had a great 2012. Brad Lawson and Eric Shoji. So yep. a pair of brothers on the team. That, that's the 22-man roster so of eligible players for the World League. And it's kind of a funny thing because you're making a list that you uh, of players that you've never seen in the gym. Well, I, I will only uh, comment on this because it's happening to myself. I, I'm an assistant with the junior national team, and we were uh, a while back told that we need to come up with a travel roster uh, before a certain due date, and we had not seen some of the kids that we wanted to have on the team try out for certain positions. The youth national team, I think, is going through that too at the same time. It is a little strange. It, it's a little bizarre that you're – but but the reality is is, is, is the FIVB, I think, comes up with that regulation. Do they not? I don't think it's USA Volleyball. When you have to submit it and how many players are on it, yes. Uh, yeah. Notable absences, no Reed Pretty, no Sean Rooney, no Kevin Hansen, no Clay Stanley. It's a, it's a, young, it's a young roster, and, and Spira said that 
he was going to be looking that direction when we had him on recently. And I don't know what that means for other uh, championships or competitions, but it's definitely a younger roster. I mean, Chirelli is how you say Tony's last name, by the Chirelli? way. Chirelli? Yeah, Tony, and you've got... Thank um, you, because I'll have to be saying that this yeah, year. Yeah, I figure. Sure. The Shogis, Murph, Caldwell, Carson, like all these guys are what, 22, 23 years old? That's a pretty young young roster. And there's a lot of Irvine guys on here. Not Just notice, just noticing that, just checking it out. thought it was interesting. I mean, I, I've got some opinions on some of these guys. We'll see how I'm many I'm sure you have actually... opinions on all of these guys. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> Boom! There it is. Wait, hold on, hold on. Shh. Wait, 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 wait. You're supposed to have a Wait, <laughs> wait, wait. Shh. There it is. There we go. I had to get to the right page. Um, what do you think about Kyle Caldwell? Because I know that Spiral likes him a lot. Likes to. He mentioned him by name when we had him on that he was going to take a look at him. Yeah, I tell you what, I saw him play. We were at the Pan Am Games uh, a while back, and he was part of that group, I believe. He's a real nice setter. Um, takes it at a high point. Uh, he's lefty, obviously, and he's pretty big attacker. Six foot nine. Yeah, and he's he's a strong kid. Um, he played opposite at. UCLA he, as well. He did. I think he got recruited as a setter, and I think they moved him opposite. And then much moved. like the guy who plays for Loyola, whose name is escaping me. Schmalzer. Right Small. Schmalzer. Not, not Schmalzer. Joseph Schmalzer. Schmalzer. Yeah. Met his dad on uh, Friday night, actually, in Manhattan Beach. Yeah, nice family. Friday nice night. Family. I, I have not seen this guy play, but I think anytime you have a six-nine setter, you who's left-handed, you look at it. Well, here's a question for you: When's the last time? We know that the Sados were together. They had one on the women's team, one on the men's team, and a coach. But when's the last time the two brothers have played on the same team? You what? And you both played at the same time? No, I mean, he was in the gym. Oh, he didn't okay. play, though. Okay. That's a pretty good reference, though. And was never on the list oh. for World League. I don't think Keith ever made a World League list, but we were in the gym at the same time. New coach, by the way, down in Texas? Yeah, Amarillo, D2. Nice. Amarillo. Amarillo. Assistant coaching down there. Also known as Yellow, Texas. So guys who are missing pretty <laughs> pretty Rooney, Hansen, Stanley, and Millar and Salmon. Last two guys cut there from the 2012 squad. Is this the last we I know it's the last we've seen of Riley Salmon. He's retired, but is this the last we've seen of Ryan Millar on the national team? I, my thought I think is he's playing that, in France right now. I've seen pictures of him in France. My thought is this the guys that you that you said are off the list. I have to believe firmly, and I again I don't have insider information, but I have to believe firmly it's a break. Take some time. Let your body For the top four guys. Well, top three guys. Regroup, refocus, get recharged. Maybe they're going to play some beats this summer. Who knows? But it's a chance. And and those guys, some of those guys have families. You know, they kind of like to spend a little time with them rather than be bouncing around in a year that really isn't crucial to the success for the Olympics coming up, if I'm not mistaken. And it gives the young guys a chance to maybe get some experience. That's my call. Where's Pretty? You promised me he'd be on the show today. Well, Pretty better be doing some work for this podcast this summer since he's got some time on his hands now. <laughs> yeah, we now know he's free. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah, so crank it up, Pretty. <laughs> Get ready because you're going to be doing some promotion for this uh, this entity here. Nice. That makes sense, though, and everything that John Spira said to us on air, I think, lends itself to that interpretation as well in terms yeah. of giving them some time off and getting a chance uh, to see some of the younger guys and all that stuff. It'd be, you know, also, I, also missing Don Sujo. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, again... Be, Dave McKenzie. Yeah, but you, all these guys have been playing like like Reed and like, like Don. I mean, high-level championships, tournaments, all this stuff, and then, what, they throw them into World League and say, now travel across yeah. Europe for the next four months? Is that yeah. So it's, actually, it's six... Six members of that team missing, including one, two, three starters. I'm sorry, five members 
of the team missing, including... What's great, Jason though, Herter. about our national team program, and, and, and I don't know... Uh, I'm assuming John's doing the same thing. Is it's a nice chance during the summertime for guys to come back that are maybe playing their first or second years overseas. You don't get training over there. I mean, you go right. in and either you perform or you're out. So it's a chance for these guys to come back, get some training, work on some fundamentals, and then go back out it the next following year, and then you come back and, and give it a shot again with the national team. It's a good, I think, it's a good system. And John has said that he is going to go with the youth movement, and we're going to see some new names yeah. on there. And I, I think people are going to run into some stuff here. John, uh, uh, we've talked a lot about John and how we feel uh, about John as a coach. John is his own man. John makes his own choices and goes his own way and believes in what John is doing. Yep. And to be successful at that level, you have to have that. But it's going to be starkly different to have John in charge than having anybody else in charge because John will make choices and definitely put his stamp on that program. Right. So uh, some of these guys could be done. We could we could maybe never see some of these guys again on the national team, not just this roster, or they could come back. But I think if John has some success with some of these younger guys, I think that's the way things are going. So if things shake out well this summer on an individual basis, because I have a hard time believing they're going to win World League or medal in World League with the group that's there. Uh, just based on the rest of the world and their talent. But if individuals have pretty good years, I definitely would see John investing in those players, those younger players, for the next couple of years and not bringing back some of those older guys because then you stir up this controversy of is Pretty going to start again or is uh, you know Hanson going to be back in there or is Stanley going to start again? Or, and, and maybe it's not those specific guys, but just to put out names. Would you want some of those older guys in the gym, though, to help these younger guys if the older guys are willing? But it gets into a weird thing, right? Because you're you're training your replacement. Yeah. And how much with what's going you're doing on? Doing it for the flag, Kevin. And with what we saw <laughs> this last time, where where Alan Knipe <laughs> tried to hang on to the previous uh, administration to some extent, tried not to ruffle up the success that was had. Yeah. That kind of half approach, I don't think works. I think I think that's a, it was a tough situation that Alan stepped into, where he had a gold medal team and guys that have been through the war and you all of a sudden have trying to put your stamp on them. Uh, I think that was a tougher situation. I think it, it didn't blend the way he would have liked and the way that the players would have liked. And I think now John has an opportunity to make a clean break from a lot of that. Here's a, here's a question then. Does the second assistant become an older veteran player that maybe has been around the ropes a few times like a Tom Hoff? Uh, like a Ryan Millar, uh, like a Reed Pretty, for that matter. If Reed, in, in, in essence, doesn't want to play anymore. Was it Pretty, Millar, Salmon, too close. Tom Hoff, maybe what? too close. Who was the player you had on when you were traveling um, that was saying, like, I would want to be the coach right now, but he was just one? Riley. Piece. Riley, gotcha. Riley. I think I think he's too close. Okay. Lloyd Ball? Does he want no. to? No, Roy, no Roy is doing double days right now for the U.S. Open. By the way, yeah, yeah, no, no reason for that. No, huh? I don't, I don't, I don't think Lloyd comes in and acts as coach. I don't see that happening. So, do we win the gold in four years, Kevin? No. <laughs> oh, ooh, that's that's a oh, quick. Wow. That's I, a quick. I was, I was actually kind of joking. Didn't expect an answer, but <laughs> sweet. That's a quick response. I, 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 Kevin hates indoor but loves beach. It's funny how if, things have changed. If I'm put, he loves sand. If I'm, sand yeah. down, if I'm putting down money, well, am, I, am I betting on the U.S. team winning the gold medal right now? No. Well, are you throwing a, you pick one against the field, you should usually take the field for I, sure. Yeah, but, are you throwing a fiver down, though, on the long shot? What are their odds? Yeah, what are yeah. the odds? A hundred, I'll throw down a $5 bill. 
A <laughs> hundred bucks if we win the gold to to me. No, look. <laughs> and big fat Jeremy's, yeah. a little fat Jeremy's for everybody. I still. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to have a little stuffed little fat Jeremy. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what that means. <laughs> Matt Garhoff, get on it, please. Yeah, Garhoff. Maybe. Uh, I, want a little, I want a little desk-sized guy that's sitting here that I can... That's you know, like a little fat Jeremy. We need yeah, bobbleheads yeah. is what we need. By the way, did you see the picture I sent on the net live wheel back of the, the random... There was like 25 or 30 shots, those family portraits. Remember I think this? so. It, for those of you that are... I saw it. Go to, the, go to the net live on Facebook, and I posted something, I think, a week ago of... of Family portrait shots that you definitely should be embarrassed of, and one of them was Kevin on there. No, Kevin uh, was not on there. But you, however, there was an exact <laughs> your 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 twin brother was, was the guy on from Riviera Mexican. Maybe he was yeah there. <laughs> the original little fat Jeremy. Yeah. <laughs> Funny how all these photos I get on their Facebook, all these people look like me apparently. Bobbleheads, bobbleheads, Gardhoff is what we need now. Is bobbleheads, doppelgangers. Uh, yeah. You can actually order action figures, custom one-off action figures. Can you really? Yeah, I, God, I gotta put the site. It's I can't, fairly expensive. I can't have a doll of myself in my house. Why not? not a doll? It's an action figure. It's different. I think you, you should, should put them next to your Batman. I think you should glue it to your <laughs> dashboard and have a little hula skirt. Dude, how awesome would that be? <laughs> No, if you're asking me if the team is going to win in four years... I was actually kind of joking, but I'm into no, it. You should talk have, about it. Instead of a hula years. skirt, you should have your DJ equipment yep. just bouncing back and forth like you're working it. And today, today you asked me... customers come by and put their drinks on my turntable. <laughs> While it's spinning? Yeah. Oh, great. Today, today I can't say that I think that they're going to win in four years. There's so many unknowns. Look at that roster. Yeah, it's four how much international? All right, how much international experience is on this roster? Not much. And I'm talking about senior team. Don't give me the other stuff. So... Matt Anderson, lots of experience now. Menzel, almost none. Paddock, some experience. Lee, lots of experience. Lamborn, lots. Lotman, fair amount. Shoji, none. Caldwell, none. Murphy, none. Ciarelli? Ciarelli. Ciarelli. Can I get a CH? None. Thornton, very little. Holmes, fair amount. Rawson, none. Ammerman, very little. Uh, Played... Professionally, but he hasn't played a ton of time on the national team. He Carson Clark won yeah. world championships. Jason Jablonski, he's been middling around for a long time. Max Holt, I think he's on the way up. But then Garrett Magatuya? Tutia? Mwagatutia. Mwagatutia. Uh, His brother one. Miles played football for Stanford in volleyball. They call him Eminem. Wow. Whoa. Wow. That was wow. quick. You know what? I bet I bet you've been waiting. You saved that up for a while. Like you wrote it down on his piece of paper. Well, here's a question. So you, hold I, on, I, hold on. So Garrett Nunn, Alfie Reft, he's got some experience. David David Smith, fair amount of experience. Brad Lawson, Nunn, Eric Shoji, Nunn. Okay. Isn't that the point of the next four years, though? Well, that, well and, right. And that, that leads that leads into my yeah, statement, absolutely. which is if you're if you're the coach, and, and I'm gonna I'm gonna play John Sparrow. And granted, I'm nowhere near close, but I'm gonna I'm gonna play John Sparrow for a yeah, second. Yeah, If I have a four year span, obviously to the next Olympics, and I would look at it almost like the sense of a four-year span of my players in college. My first couple of years is going to be a lot of shuffling around, and there's going to be some new players, and I'm going to try some kids out. Heck, I might go out and recruit a couple of kids that maybe I haven't seen before and to give them a shot. By the end of the second year, maybe you're starting to get some kids yeah. that, are, that are filling themselves out. And is that not the starting of the qualification period two years out? Even year at the end of the third year. But that World League year, and then you've got the qualifying process starting, and then you've got the final year when you're you're going full board. It doesn't even start till the end of the third year, so you really have three. So, and and we I know we've talked about the fact that it takes you know four to six years on the international circuit to really get up to speed to the national level of yeah. where you should be. So now you're, you're getting some kids that maybe have a couple of years of pro here and there. Could that not be how he looks at it? Do I think it's possible? I, I guess maybe we're getting lost in the language here. 
do I think it's possible that oh, the U.S. Seriously, could when I brought it up, I was totally joking, and then you took it like a serious question, but I'm in that we're having a good discussion about it. Is it possible in four years the United States could be in medal contention? That's, I think the, be- yes. that's the better question. I think yes. I think contention. so. I think it's possible. Yeah. We're expected to be in medal contention every Olympics. Let's Absolutely. Do, do Absolutely. I think this team has a better chance in eight years from now? Yeah. Sure. I think you're better in eight years than you are in four. Yep. I think the first two, exactly like you said, it's going to be massive experimentation. We're going to see a lot of names. We're going to see who takes advantage of the opportunity. Well, for me, I don't know enough about the rest of the world. Like, are they going through transitions as well? Are they older teams? No, I think it's kind of coming up. Like, Unfortunately, that, that'll, not. That'll go yeah. into it as well. Too, Russia's young. And Brazil's young, too. I would, no, Brazil's uh, old. No, 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 no. They, they've got a, they've got their junior national team has got some kids that are absolute trees. Yeah, we're gonna learn some. New, we're gonna <laughs> learn are, some new names. Disgusting how big those kids. Do they are. move gonna, better than trees? Though, I, you know what I'm saying? Slightly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but to replace Jiba, Dante, uh, who, who else? Right. They've got an opposite or an outside hitter or somebody that's seven foot legitimately. They, they're they've they've got just kids that are, but but. To answer your question. But to replace the guys they have is different than just putting a seven-footer sure. in there. But, but it's also Brazil. They're pretty darn good at a young age. Uh, oh, it's like it's like Puerto Rico. They've got kids that are 12 years old that have better ball control than a lot of kids that play in college. Unfortunately, in Puerto Rico, you never grow above 6'2". Well, it, <laughs> I have a funny story about that later on. But there's, there's – the, uh, there. I don't know yeah, if it's the, in the chicken or what. But if you go into this year as the head coach and you, send your, and you sit you guys down – and John is a huge fan of, of, of what we all call the process – we're going to lay out a mission goal, or a mission statement, a goal. We're going to sit down. We're going to we're going to make this path this path to this end destination. I bet you somewhere down the line, somebody says, "Look, this first year, maybe two. The expectation isn't necessarily to go out and win World League. Although I'm sure you want to. I'm not saying you don't. But let's be realistic. Let's use the smart method and let's be realistic yeah. in what we can measurably attain. And let's say, look, we're going to take our lumps, but we're going to get some experience. We're going to get some good video. We're going to be able to look back and say, hey, I've got to do this. I've got to work on this. All of a sudden, that momentum starts to carry a little bit. And then maybe next year's goals may be a little bit different. It's the process. I, I guarantee you yeah, he already has it written down what he wants. Or at least a good idea yeah. of a roadmap, for sure. Absolutely. No, 100%. And, that, and we're going to see that. It's going to be fun for those that are going to watch this. Not uh, that I know what Spraw is. <laughs> I know I don't look I don't the part. Look the part. <laughs> Not that I'm I a volleyball speak. coach for John Spraw. I haven't eaten Little Fat Jeremy's yeah. all morning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a good gummy bag of Little Fat Jeremy's. Little Fat Jeremy's. What if you get custom gummies? <laughs> you know what? I bet you can. You can get custom M&M's. You can get gummy bears the, the size of a human. What? Yeah. How do you know that? I, go online, man. There's just a bunch yeah, of that. Because we discussed earlier the, the amount Jay gets paid and how much it costs to live in Happy Valley. He's got money for human sized gummy bears. They don't call it Happy Valley for a reason. There you go. How long would it take you to eat a human sized gummy? Oh, my too God. You'd be dead from a sugar. Can <laughs> you imagine that? Uh, it's going to be a very entertaining summer for those that are going to watch World League. Yes. If we ever get to watch it on TV, it'll be on TV. I don't know where yet, but I'll be doing it with uh, Sunderland, so I'm nice. not sure where it'll be on, but I'm Sunday, looking forward to seeing back. these guys. I can't wait to see Aurelio. I can't wait to see him. <laughs> you just travel for that? They send you wherever? We go to the domestics. We do the voiceover for the other ones. So. They go to Studio City for the hmm. New World League ones. And, uh, for the overseas? Yeah. That's accurate. Yeah. Studio City. Yeah. Speaking Studio. of TV, I don't... Everybody was asking, like, who's going to be doing the CBS for the ABP and stuff like that, and I don't know or care as long as they know the sport. That's right. all I'm concerned with. I, mean, I just hope you call. know the sport it's a good call. to talk about it. I hope so, too. I hope so, too, Barney. Because then no, that's, that's the only way that helps new fans to come Hey, in. you know, maybe Dustin uh, can get that job. No. Yeah. It would be nice out if there. somebody shoot a message in or <laughs> <Hit> up, <laughs> answer a phone call. Hit up CBS. 
Oh, yeah, you don't you goodness. don't you know some people over there, Barney? Can't you help a guy Justin, out? It's getting a little ugly. I don't know. It is getting ugly. We're taking and we're taking it back down. I like how we kind of raise me up in the middle of the show and then we just slam me down. And that's the show today. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for showing Take up, Justin. Yeah. Justin, you got our only guest confirmed for the show today. Thanks, bud. Yeah. Good job. <laughs> Take care. Good job, buddy. I did want to say thank you actually to Volleyball Magazine, who yes. we met up with uh, Megan and Lee. And, and by we. He Jeremy and yeah, and you were, you, were Fonz, you were out, Kevin. Fonz's Steakhouse. Yeah, they. Uh, Did you have the fillet? We had dinner. I did not. Lovely. Fonzie? Thank you. In Manhattan Beach. Thank Lobster? you very much. Yeah. Lobster. Yeah. Yeah. Did you got shellbacks? Come on. Did you got shellbacks afterwards? Oh, have steak. a couple. Oh, I may no, have, no. but oh, okay. not as a not as a group. <laughs> <laughs> Want to make sure we said thank you for the support, not only of the show but of my appetite. By the way, my yeah. favorite six-man team of all time is the team that calls themselves the Helmets. And all they do is wear different, like, Viking helmets, football helmets. Nice. They don't block. Yeah, they, they just, just play defense. Yep. Nice. And they wear awesome. cups, too. Yeah, they wear cups. <laughs> Some guy wears a whole catcher's outfit. Like, he has the shin guards and the chest guards. <laughs> Perfect. It's, it's fantastic. It. I've been Perfect. out of town the last couple of years. I haven't seen... Uh, it's such I a bummer that it's made Most people haven't... Is it even happening this year? I haven't even heard anything. I haven't, I haven't heard anything either. What about Stero? Is Stero still going on? Maybe Mayor Montgomery Burns got his way. Dustin, were you telling me that there's going to be, like, two... I've heard there's going to be two... Somebody's going to run an event in Long Beach, right? Yeah, and they're going to do one in Long Beach. That's what I've heard. One in Long Beach on the weekend, and then they're still doing the midweek uh, Manhattan Beach one. But, uh, well, Manhattan Beach, congratulations. You killed off one of the best parties. That like was Palm Springs. That was their point. For spring break. That I was their am point. sure that the local businesses are not very happy. Yeah, if you own Shellback, you're not stoked. If you live next to Shellback in your home you bought 40 years ago, you're, you're stoked. Yeah, that's just sad. Absolutely sad. Is the Cerro still going on? Does anybody know? I believe so. I hope so. That's a great tournament, too. Is it still done in, in down south of Ensenada, or is it still in Rosarito now? I heard it got moved up. That I don't know. I know you have to cross the border. Yeah. That's all I got for you. It's a good time. It's a good time right there. That's right. One across the border now, but that's just me. Oh, it's not that big of a deal. There's some issues. You say that. <laughs> <laughs> you say that now. I love – there's nothing better than surfing in Mexico. Nothing better. It's a great, pl- great place down there to go. Beach volley is fun. Yeah, sorry. Everybody thinks I hate it. Go beach volley. (laughs) (laughs) No more emails and tweets about how we hate the sport. Come on, folks. (laughs) What's going on? Listen a little bit. What's new? Let's go away from volleyball a little bit. What are we? uh, What's going on in the world of? I'm going to the doctor after the show. Nice. Forward to it for your blown ankle. Your swollen ankle. Good times. LeBron won his fourth MVP. Yeah, nice. Not unanimously. Somebody somebody voted for Carmelo Anthony. That's a big blow up. There was Uh, a lot of sporting. I bet Pat did. The guy's name is uh, something Washburn. He's been on every show this morning. <laughs> he had to write an article explaining why. He First voted of all, for Carmelo. Why yeah. would you not vote for Durant instead of Carmelo? Yeah, how did Durant not get any votes? Because he said that uh, Carmelo did more with less. How about the beauty I, of if I, I, I don't shot Carmelo a hundred times a game too? <laughs> the offense is give me the ball. Everybody else go stand to the Carmelo side. does not make your team better. What was the Division three team that shot like over 100 three-pointers every uh, every game? Yeah. Redlands? Just shoot three. Was it Redlands? How nice is it, by the way, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump the shark here and go to a different subject. Jump it. How awesome is it that it's becoming a non-story that Jason Collins came out? Yeah. How awesome is that, that it's no it, longer... I said that last week. I can't wait for that to be... Nothing. Yeah. I'm supportive as all hell. I think it's awesome. And I love the fact that it's it's becoming the norm. Good for you for shouldn't have to come out. No, shouldn't have to. Yeah, can't wait for that point. That's that's good stuff. But brave on him though. Yeah, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. 
And to the ESPN guy that said, you know, this is abomination, you are an abomination. My well, that's those, those oh, things. Chris that, Broussard. Yeah. Those things that confuse that's me. Ridiculous. He's allowed to believe what he wants, and he voices sure. opinion. Yes. But like, I read another article too. It's like, okay, Chris Broussard is going by the letter of the law in the Bible. The Bible also can't work on Sundays. Chris Broussard is working on and, Sunday. And hey, you're, not, hey. you're not allowed to touch pigskin, which football players we're gonna, are. Yeah. So you we're going to go a lot further if we start down no, this road. Yeah, let's so not like, go this road. Let's, let's get away from this one for sure. Not not a good one. Get some but, but good for him and stoked that it's uh, it's becoming part yeah. of the norm. This was good. All right. Cover that yeah. topic. Check, and he actually got on. more support, at least publicly, yeah. than he did negative. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And small known fact, you know who his high school teammate was? Uh, Jason Siegel. Siegel, that's right. Interesting. Well, Harvard Westlake. Nice. Yeah. And the two Lopez brothers are believed the guys that went to Stanford as well. Wasn't there another guy that was at Stanford? His brother. Yeah. His and brother was, Lopez. I think, I think it was a Lopez brother. What? Maybe that went there as well. Harvard Westlake. Oh, Tut. Not sure. It, somebody could find that out. Somebody Google that and find that out. But there no. was a couple guys on that team that went places. But the Lopez brothers are twins also. Yes. But they weren't on the team at the same time. No, so not at the same time. No. Maybe they, maybe they're different year. But that's kind of cool. Yeah. Siegel, dropping the threes. Rain Man. Dropping Not Rain Man, actually, it was Dr. Dunk. He won a high school dunk contest. I oh. Heard on the, on, after they were talking to him. Yeah, he won a... This is he the was actor, like, Jason Siegel? Yeah, yes. he was from... Uh, How Six four. I love you, man, guy. The yeah, guy I love you, man. Guy. Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Yeah. How I Met Your Mother. Right. Uh, Freaks and Geeks, if you want to... Muppet movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, I saw uh, that one. It wasn't very good. No, the Muppet movie was not very good. But I Love You Man was hilarious. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, won a contest. Four. Look at that. He was like the scrappy guy that wouldn't play but could dunk. And so like the crowd loved him and he would win like a dunk contest and would dunk in warm-ups and that'd be it. <laughs> He's winning the warm-up game. Yeah, exactly. Good for him. But there was a ton that went on in sports this weekend. You had the boxing event. You had the NCAA. Does anybody care about boxing I anymore? do not. Yeah. I, do I mean, not. a little What's bit. What's funny to me but is that still, it's all that's being ta- it was all that stuff was talked about. NBA playoffs, hockey playoffs. Yes, there was a lot that went on this weekend. It's yes. funny that Mayweather is what is he middleweight, right? I think so. And he's he's soaking up the attention that used to be reserved to heavyweights because the heavyweight thing is such a mess. <sighs> no one can pronounce anything beyond Klitschko. Yeah. Well, it's, and it's also rigged. Nobody wants to watch rigged boxing matches yeah, it's anymore. Baloney. It's baloney. The MMA, that's why it's taken off. They're still making money, though. I don't know where that money's coming from. Pay-per-view. Worldwide. Who's has, paying? It has to be alcohol. Budweiser, Miller, and all those companies are probably joining on board, and that's that's where the money is made. I bet you internationally it's probably a little bit better. That but, could be true. But I, I don't think domestically boxing has really got the punch that it used to have. No pun no intended. No pun intended. Yeah. Mm. Drink. drink, by the way. Yes. <laughs> Double drink. Double. I'm telling you, next time I'm in studio, I'm bringing a bottle. We're having fun. We're the, not, the drunk show may yeah. happen. Uh, we've uh, we've gone past twelve fifteen. No, I'm out of here. Well, people have things to do. Yeah. No. We hope you've learned a little something today, or at least gotten a couple of laughs here on the net live. We much appreciate the support of the AVCA and the participation of Mike Sondheimer all year in that program. Big thanks to David Niffen for coming on. Congratulations on his national championship. Congratulations to Kirby Burnham and Stevie Robinson on their national championship, and to Long Beach State. University on their championship in the sport of beach volleyball. Sand, if you prefer, for this year, because you can't say beach, it still is sand. Thanks to Jeremy. You're welcome. Dustin. Thanks to Jay. I hope you're here, but I hope you're not here, as usual. Yeah, I, I, I wish you luck with that uh, with that job search. And Jay, for making it up. Thank you. I always love being here. It's always fun. That'll do it. That's live on a Monday. We will be back uh, next Monday. I'm around for a couple of weeks. Jake Spiker Gibb. We'll be on the show next Monday. Nice. Yep. We'll talk to him about his impending partner change. Grand Slam champion. Yeah, exactly. Was Casey? Fa- did you find out? You know he- what I did? He was at the match. Thank you. I don't oh. know how that's possible. 
Because you get back off in time. the next day. You get because you travel back in time. No, actually. I, so I yeah. completely back understand that. I, I knew, it. I knew, but he was knew. at the match. I don't know. Four oh seven. Should we talk to him real quick? Sure. I don't know. Let's see. Mm-hmm. Or maybe right. they're just listening. They're sure coming into the show a little bit late. Uh, call at four oh seven. You're on. <laughs> Kevin Todd Dagenet from UCF. All right. Hey, play the college <laughs> corner, coaches' corner music. Oh. We're going to do this right now. Uh, <laughs> you're saying, okay, we, we were getting off the air, Todd. You're, you're going to be. This is this is territory that's been reserved for Oregon, more or less. <laughs> I'm trying to Facebook Barney and say, "Hey, I'm here. I'm here. Don't hang up on me. I'm here." <laughs> I got my email open. I got nothing. Anyway, the ABCA Coaches Corner is an area where we spend some time with some coaches, learning about their programs and different things that are required of college coaches and try and give you a little insight into what's happening all around the United States. We have Todd Dijonese. Todd. Hey, what's up, guys? (laughs) Holy cow. We're not going to go all the way back and figure out what we were going to talk to you about. No, what we're going to talk to you about, Todd, is, is... you're a guy who is notorious for being into stats, and we've we've talked about data volley and, and some of the things we've mentioned here, but I don't think we've ever detailed kind of the evolution of the numbers game inside of volleyball. Uh, give us just a little quick background on the evolution of a couple of volleyball programs and, and what that has brought to the game, the increased analysis available. I think, you know, anytime you're looking at sports, and, you know, volleyball is not different from a lot of sports, you watch the evolution of Moneyball and saber metrics and those kinds of things, and no one's really sat down to say, what does this mean for our sport? How can our game get better by looking at numbers? And I think the first thing to always remember is that you can get paralyzed pretty easy by numbers, and you don't want to take the feel out of it, and you don't want to take the instinct out of it. You don't want to paralyze yourself. But you know, certainly there's some things out there uh, that we want to take a look at. And I think right now one of the things that we're looking at is if you take two hitters, you have Susie, and Susie gets two kills and ten swings, and she's hitting 200. And you have Mary, who has eight kills and six errors and ten swings, she's hitting 200. Are Susie and Mary really the same hitter hitting 200? And I think the the next thing for coaches is really to take a look at what's happening in all of those non-terminal hits. Are they all the same? A, a ball that maybe an opponent... Uh, can't get a good swing coming back at you. Maybe that should have more value than a tip where the opponents are running the middle back at you. So I think really right now that the next step is to categorize every contact in a way that helps you understand first the things that you need to work on as an individual or as a team. But what exactly, what kinds of numbers are you looking for in order to win? So that's one of the first things that we're looking at. So would a number, if you're coming up with a new formula, it sounds like almost like a total QBR, which is ESPN's thing, but the old QB rating systems of 158.6 made no sense. But that that notion of maybe a total percentage, because right now we just have hitting efficiency. That's what coaches look a lot, um, and, and fans will look a lot. Oh, he hit 359, he hit 258. But to your point, hitting that 258 doesn't always look the same. What would you factor into that, and how would you come up with a scale? And do we need to come up with a completely new number to look at for assessing the efficiency of a hitter? I think there's no doubt that we do, because right now the numbers that we have don't tell an accurate story about who should be playing or who shouldn't be playing. And This is a conversation that I had with Kevin Hambly, who I think is he's another guy that clearly understands the value of stats without overvaluing them and we were just sitting down discussing you know what happens on all those other attacks so i don't exactly know what the number is we know that 
kill percentage is still one of those really important things. You know, you're you're 45% kill. Okay, that's a good number. But what's happening on those balls, uh, obviously, that you're not getting kills and you're not erroring on. So it's a non-terminal attack. So, you know, I don't know if you if you assign a value, you know, like a, a ball where an opponent uh, doesn't get a good swing, maybe that's a .75 versus a ball that an opponent does get a good swing, maybe it's only a .25. I don't exactly know the answer. All I know is that's the next thing that we really need to take a look at. That and serve-receive, you know, I, I don't think, why why is a, a two-pass worth two-thirds of a three-pass? When we all know on a two-pass, your, your likelihood of siding out goes down dramatically. It shouldn't be worth two-thirds of a three-pass. So, again, it's little things like that that sometimes nerd brains like mine look at and say, this is just not right. Uh, yeah, the, one of the things, this is Jay from Penn State, by the way. One hey, of the Jay. things, Todd, that that I think um, at least we talk about in our program is you're charting the quality of the digs, the quality of the first contact on the other side, and you're assigning a pass value to that. So, for example, if it's a soft block off the top and you're getting a good dig out of it, and it's, a, it's a perfect pass. We we use the four scale, so we're, we're calling that a perfect pass. So you're getting that quality dig, and now all of a sudden you're adding that number into your hitter, hitting percentage, and that's where all of a sudden the real numbers start to shake out and the real athletes start to shake out. Sure. And really, when you're you're talking about the difference between a winning team and a losing team being two or three points per set, and it's it's these kinds of things that help you train smarter, help you understand your team better, help you not waste that time in the gym. You're only working on the things that you need to work on. But really, a lot of times it separates two really good teams winning from losing. You know, a lot of this stuff that I'm talking to you guys about is not necessarily stuff that, that we go over with our athletes. I don't want them thinking about is it two-thirds or, you know, one-quarter or whatever. But we do talk a lot about error percentage because rather we like it or not, men's, women's, international, it's about the errors. That's really what separates two teams. And we really try to make sure that our athletes are aware of error percentage and what's allowable, what's a good error, what's a bad error. Todd, that's a great point you make, that the coach needs to be a filter in some cases as to the amount of information available and what the athlete can actually process. But I I wanted to ask you about the coach themselves. You said earlier you have to be careful not to paralyze yourself. How do coaches balance that, the amount of information and dissection that's available, and how do they pull out of that what's really valuable and what can be effective as far as producing points and matches? I think a lot of it, comes during the week of preparation for matches you have a pretty wide scope of the things that you're looking at you know that for us to contend with Penn State we need to be able to do this this and this and so those are the numbers specifically that you're you're training for during the week um, and you're you're watching in a match so instead of watching 12 or 15 statistical categories in a match, we already know that we're only going to look at two or three because those two or three truly are what are determining if we're going to win or lose. They're determining who's going to play in the match, who gets subbed in. Um, do we have to you know, put in some kind of a special blocking scheme now to overcome the fact that we're not hitting the numbers that we said blocking that we needed to? And I, I think you know, you have your field of stats that you look at, but for a specific opponent, you focus it down to two or three, and then that's it. Those are the ones that you look at. What are the most common two or three? Oh, boy. You know, again, it really varies from person to person, I or from team to team that you're playing. I know that we are always... 
six? Sorry, Sorry is there five or six that you'll see kind of come in and come out of things that you would look at? Yes, yes. I, I think there are. I mean, first of all, um, uh, when we're in a match, we're looking at rotation numbers. Um, uh, we look at our point scoring percentage when we're serving. Um, we look at our first ball kill numbers in receive, and then we look at our overall side out percentage. That tells us more about team performance, matchups, rotations, maybe a certain middle is not carrying their rotation, so we have to flip the dial. Those are a lot of times we make uh, substitution and rotation decisions just based on those three numbers right there. Um, one of the other ones that we're looking at uh, is a dig-to-kill percentage, the number of digs that we have that are resulting in kills. That tells us a little bit about the quality of our dig and our ability to hit out-of-system balls. Um, so we're looking at those things. But, again, the one thing that we're almost always looking at in terms of individual performance is that error percentage. Mm -hmm. um, how many how many errors are we getting for every kill that we're getting? And when that number gets too big, that, that player just simply has to come out of the game because now they're costing you an opportunity to win. All right, Ty, we'll get you out of here on this. We certainly appreciate uh, this information and, and you giving us a call here and running the ABCA Coaches Corner. Are numbers a must? Do you have to have a really in-depth statistical program today to be successful? No, you don't. You need to have seven All-Americans and then you need to hell with the numbers. <laughs> How's that? Uh, I do think you do. I think you have to have a basic understanding of where you're winning and where you're going where you're losing. Um, it, it, it's so important to maximize your training time during the week, just having a basic understanding. Look, we are a, 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 a good offensive team. We know that we need to side out at 70%. Well, if we're siding out at 55%, that puts a lot of stress on our, our block and our defense and our serving game. So you just have to understand what kind of team you are and then make sure that you're training to get those types of numbers. Every team is a serve-block-defense team or a pass-hit-side-out team. The teams that are both really, you know, they're, you know, they're going to win matches. But if you're not lucky enough to be one of those, you have to understand what areas you can maximize. I know for a team like ours, we have to side out at a very high percentage, you know, somewhere in the in the mid-60%, 61, 64, 65, something like that. And if we're somewhere in that 58% range, we're not winning matches. That's the only place that we can get those additional points is uh, you know, getting up to that 64, 65% number. All right, understand your team, and we're trying to help you give different ways to understand your team here in the Coach's Corner. Todd Dejanet, head coach at – oh, there we go. Thank you. 60 seconds, University of Central Florida. Thanks, Todd, and enjoy the swimming events in your backyard there. All right, man. Take it easy. Thanks, you guys. All right, see you, Todd Dejanet. Checking Bye -bye. out. Thanks, thanks for calling in. You know, uh, corner. one thing that he got me thinking of, and I like the money ball and Sarah metrics and all that is... You have about 15 seconds. Perfect. If you can look at a, a stat that's like, how are my hitting attempts leading to points that we get, whether yeah. it's a, a kill or a dig, you know, that, that I don't know if anybody follows that. It's just curious. This will keep recording, so no big deal. I, okay. I just, one, one last thing before we get up here. I look over at Dustin, who was about to leave, and he's mm -hmm. all of a sudden signing back into something. I think he just signed into a secure website with the CIA. <laughs> I saw something <laughs> with, a, with an eagle and a crest, and then all Possible. of a sudden his computer went black. And Possible. I think he has a... I have a high security clearance. Yeah, apparently so. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to the Net Live, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to get out of here on a Monday. We gave you the full two and a half hours. That's a full poll and tractor poll. Nice. Do you have to drink for that? I don't drink. know. We'll see you next week.